jump ahead if they're not natty. Don't leave us. <laughs> well, we're recording, but this is there. That's the perfect intro. Ariel. Perfect intro. Perfect intro is um, well. First off, the boys are back. Area Messi, Kameski, Big Bill McCarthy, Rory Lynch, and it's your boy Six Pack Labadat. And yeah, we're gonna talk about the untested um, a little bit later. We'll, we're gonna start with the the latest news with the Nationals. We have news for the U.S. Nationals, and we got news for the Canadian Nationals. And it depends if it's good, bad, depending on who you are. And then we're going to do a little something, something Arian put together called uh, Overrated, Underrated Arian. You heard some, you heard, what other podcasts is, did this come from? This is probably a shitload of other podcasts, but every the podcasts do this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and just like YouTube videos and stuff, the first person I saw doing it lately is, is Gary Vee's been doing it on YouTube and then putting it on TikTok, Instagram, everything like that. But then it seems like everyone sees that and everyone thought it's a good idea. So I've seen other people posting and I said, oh, let's do a couple of random power thing topics for the podcast here. Why not, man? It creates a little discussion. Um, so let's do it with the U.S. Raw Nationals. First off, I mean, again, I'm not American. I'm not paying as close attention as you two fellas are. But I do see people commenting. Some people are upset. Some people are fine with it. Some people are saying snubbed. Um, I noticed, I seen the powerful Peach talking about how she felt as though she was snubbed. Um, and some, some other people. Who is that? Uh, Cameron Brown. Powerful Peach. You're oh, familiar. The, 60, the 63. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Got you got know, my I don't. I don't speak <laughs> Instagram language. Sorry. Ah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But, um, but yeah, so what's the latest news so more ahead, Aaron. so what they did is they took a a third round of invites um I, i'm not saying i was the person involved or making decision or anything like that but uh, i was like talking to mike zawlinski who gets a lot of the data analysis and gives it to the ec and the executive director to make decisions and i was telling mike like hey here are the, some of the top people men and women that that are missing out on these two invite lists and so they went back and looked, okay, what can we do to add a third round of invites to get some more people in? So what they added is that now they're going to do as a third round, your top ranked people from 2019, from any meet. You don't have to have just done nationals in 2019, any local meet. And so what they're doing is for the open, it's top three by weight class for 2019 rankings. And then for masters, it's top three by weight class by age coefficient because there's four different masters categories so that gets a few more people in depends on whether they want to sign up or not but for example like john gruden would, was one of the top 83 so he would get an invite daniela mello is one of the top 84 she gets an invite david wilson was one of the top 93s he gets an invite so he gets a few more people in like that that felt that they're just they're deserving of competing at nationals Yay. so real quick the whole thing with the wilson thing is that they're not counting at least so I was just kind of messing around in the database. So the rankings on the database don't actually list IPF world championships. So there's like some controversy, I guess, internally going on between like Wilson and, you know, whatever is like, okay, well, does his total from Sweden 2019 count as a, you know, a total that's going to count towards this new invite status or not because if it doesn't he's not invited and then has to sign up with everybody else on march 1st holy shit um yeah so it's a weird thing so like it's listed yeah. on the database but like when you go to actual rankings they don't list anyone's world championships on and why there. would so, that be again just be, it has to be on american soil oh, I, no, I, I think it's I, I mentioned that to mike zelensky too because i saw that and i texted him i said hey just so you know 
they upload the IPF results from World Championship, but just the USAPL lifters. They don't need to put everyone yeah. else in the results. But I think because they designate it as an IPF sanction in the database, it's not pulling that into the rankings. It's only pulling USAPL mm. meets into the rankings. So that's why it's not showing in the USAPL database. But if you go to like open IPF, then you see it on there. So I didn't mention it to Mike. And I know a lot oftentimes he'll make a separate Google sheet. Like all the hometown showdown rankings are a separate Google sheet that pulls all the data in and does the rankings based on his formula. I don't know if they're going to make a final decision on that, but what it should be is that he is a USAPL lifter. He competed in 2019. That should count towards the rankings. And if they pull it all into a Google sheet, it'll show him as, as the top three in the 93s. Yeah, to say someone that like hit a, you know, whatever total at like, you know, you know, South Dakota state championships or something like that counts more than the IPF world championships is kind of Fuck. silly. But. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You get penalized for representing us <laughs> at the world stage. Cause I, I do they... know that there's some people that skip the Arnold and that kind of stuff that year. Cause they had worlds coming up and obviously, yeah. um, you know, Wilson was one, I mean, he's the, basically the example of this. Cause he, I think he's the only one that really affects, um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. So hopefully, I mean, but again, he can, even if he doesn't get in, he can still sign up March 1st. It's not like they're, we're letting new people in. Like, it's just like, it's a lottery though. Then he's in the lottery with everyone else. Whereas of an invite you're, you're ready. Yeah, I mean, I don't now, think it's as bad as everyone thinks. I mean, now, now the, I just wanted to go ahead and put the other part to the update since we already did the discussion on, on the whole invite versus letting everyone else in. But the other part of the invite, the third round that people are, some people are complaining about is they're also taking anyone who buys a lifetime membership, which is something new USAPL put out, that you can buy a lifetime USAPL membership instead of paying every year, and it's a different price based on how old you are. So like for us, it might be $2,000. For someone who's older, it might be $1,000. For Ryan, it's like $400. I seen that shit coming. <laughs> yeah. All right, Playboy. So, so I, I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> this guy's six months younger than me, and he was going to milk the shit out of that. But okay, okay. So, so the thing that some people are complaining about is that now you can get into raw nationals or any of the nationals if you just pay that thousand dollars or two thousand dollars plus your entry fee um i think what some of people don't understand is that like there's very few people that got it like so far it's like you know five to ten people that got it and then who's going to really like want to go the nationals so badly this year that they'll pay two thousand dollars to get the lifetime membership and then pay the 150 dollars to go to nationals and then who knows if you're even going to make worlds or you want to go to worlds or worlds is even going to happen so it's almost a non-factor with how few people, if it's five to 10 people, it's almost a non-factor is essentially what you're saying? The, the factor, the, the non-factor part is that from the names I've seen and I've talked to people is they're mostly masters lifters, like masters two through four. Like I said, there's only five or 10 people. It's not going to really affect the open. Yeah, yeah. But the, the factor, the part that does factor is you or, uh, you or I can go pay $2,000 right now, become a lifetime member now, and then get that invite for that third round. So it's like, okay, now do any of the open lifters go and spend that money to get in? Like, are you really that desperate though to get into nationals? So with that, I just want to let you guys know non... I'm starting a GoFundMe um, for my lifetime <laughs> membership if uh, anyone's interested. Yeah. What can I do that as a New Zealander? Can I, can I just like sign yeah. for a Money talks, man. <laughs> money, hey, if you got enough money, uh, it looks like the flag will fly, my, my friend. Rory, don't come here. We're all sick. Please stay away. <laughs> I do. I, I I got a couple follow-ups there, Arian. I can't help but notice. It feels like you, you segued into his downplaying yourself involved, but it sounds like you were offering a lot of feedback to make certain things happen. It sounded like you came up with the idea of the 2019 and showed proof of, like you showed your receipts. Uh, I mean, I, I did not come up with the idea because 
Mike Zalinski will go do this stuff anyways. He'll go and do a data analysis on, okay, let's see the 2020 rankings, the 2019 rankings, 2018 rankings, give that all to them. And then they decide that first, the first setup that they had for the invites and other people post stuff too. And so whoever's involved, whether you're Mike or Priscilla or Greg Page or whoever, the EC people, they see these posts and stuff like that. They talk to some of the lifters, they're, they're getting a feel for it. So I wouldn't say I'm like that big of a factor, but I did talk to Mike Zalinski over the phone and I texted him the names that we talked in our chat of, hey, who are the biggest snubs? Okay, let me send these names to him. I sent him three men and three women. The, th the three men were David Wilson, John Gruden, and one other person I forget, and the three women were Jordan, Panton, Daniela Mello, and I'm blanking on the other name. And but, are they all in now? Uh, if they want to sign up. Danny's in, David's in, John Gruden's in, uh, Jordan Panton's not in, but she's a junior, so she can compete junior. Some of these people like overlap, so yeah, they're not getting into the open, but she can go still do the juniors, win juniors, and go to Worlds if she wants. Hmm. I see, my man. So it looks like some people owe you a thank you, huh? Is that what we're talking about right now? <laughs> or a lot more people are going to be pissed at him because they just, yeah. just took and some, some other people. Spots, so. Yeah, some other people like, why don't you keep him out? Yeah. No, no, no. All no, no, they made. No, thank you needed, but just some additional information to give out to people in a discussion I had with someone today uh, about a specific scenario, and it's actually under the FAQ. And that is, if, what if you sign up for a weight class, but then you want to change your weight class afterwards? You have up to a certain point before the meet to change your weight class. But because they have so many weight classes in one session and we have all these caps and stuff, what they have is that if it's going to change your session, so if the, you change your weight class from 69 to 76, you're not going to change what session you're competing in. If that session has already hit the cap, you do not move over and compete with them. You're going to compete in the session you already signed up for. So this is a factor that if... If you're in a different weight class, though, same session, different weight class, because they'll let you do that. Because right now, let's say the women's side, there's only two sessions, 69 and down and 76 and up. So what if you sign up for 69 and then switch over to 76, but the, right. the 76 and up that day is already at the cap. It's full. You can't put any more people in there due to COVID restrictions. Yeah. So you have to lift in the 69 session, the regular session as a 76. They'll let you be a 76 though. Wow. So okay, now here, here's the conversely. Yes, if you please. Sign up at yeah. 76, go right. down to 69. They don't let you go in. You can watch everybody else lift. No. So that's what all my, so all my 69 kilo lifters are doing that right now. So, so now here, here's the part, Rory and Bill, for anyone else listening. It's saying if you're going to move down a weight class, then you will lift as a guest lifter because you were lifting after them and you have an advantage. So you basically yeah. lift as a guest lifter. You don't get to win nationals. If you're moving up a weight class and you're lifting before them, you won't be a guest lifter, but you're going to be at a disadvantage because your lifts are already done and everyone knows what you've done. So if you are someone who's on that cutoff, 83 to 93 for men's, 69 to 76 for the women, you may want to decide because some people may have like, yeah, some people may have signed up for 69s and said, okay, let me see the roster. And maybe I'll switch to 76 because, you know, it's a new year. We don't know who's going well weight class. Well, you go switch to 76. They say, sorry, there's no space for you. You have to lift on day one. And everyone on day two knows exactly what you hit. Damn. They saw, you saw them coming. You saw people trying to, like, some people are going to try to play the system. So, I mean, you did the right thing. Those rules in place. Um, yeah. That's the first thing that I would have thought, too, is if you could try to see everybody coming. Um, but, yeah, if you get, if you get, if you're lifting ahead of everybody else, everybody's going to be, you know, unless they totally drop the ball, you're in big trouble. Now, if you were 
if someone's changing weight classes like that, they're not going to win anyway. So I was about to say, I was just, I was just about to say, <laughs> now, if you were, uh, and you jumped and said, but it's true, if you were 69 and all of a sudden you're, you're moving up a weight class like that, you're probably undersized. Well, I guess actually it could be a factor because of the weird like split of that 72 yeah. class this, for this yeah. specific year only, yes. Yeah, I think, I think 83, 93 on the men's side doesn't matter, but yeah, that 69, 76, some people may have signed up for one, like between, let's say, between Jen Thompson, Jen Milliken, Kristen Dunsmore, Jordan Panton, Daniela Mello, all these people, they're like, okay, let me sign up for one weight class, wait to see what happens, and then maybe switch to be more competitive. Well, now it, you're not going to be able to do that unless you're hoping someone, you know, drops out and that space opens up for you. Or you just burn the extra 165 bucks, sign up for both, take up two spots. Jeez. You move up, you move up a ranking already because you're already taking up two spots. You're good to go. Can I say something? I'm buying the whole goddamn session. Right? <laughs> Money talks, man. I'm buying, I'm buying lifetime memberships. I'm buying fucking six, seven That's goddamn right. spots. How much money do I got to drop to be the national champion in four different weight classes? It's all <laughs> me, baby. I single-handedly cr crush the event, and then that's a wrap. Um, but yeah, there's some mixed results with this. Some people are happy about it. Some people are upset about it. You're always going to have some people upset though. There's going to have some uh, people like, it's not the way to go, but fuck it. In my mind, uh, like, yeah, people are always going to complain. I, I, I might assume, okay, maybe if they had done the 2019 rankings, the top three and not done the lifetime membership, everyone would be happy. But in another world, they would have done exactly that. And people still would have claimed, why'd you do top three? Why didn't you do top five? Oh, I wasn't a USAPL member in 2019. It's not fair for me. So yeah, everyone's always going to complain. There's always something. So to actually segue into the next thing really quick, be fucking happy there's a meet because CPU canceled their nationals. Let's talk about they, it. Nice they don't even have a nationals. So if you're really going to whine and bitch about, you know, I have to sign up on this day or this day, or I didn't get in because of this, that, whatever, like literally the other guys don't have, you know, the, you know, their friends up north, the, the White Walkers, they don't have hey, nationals no. this easy, year. Easy, easy, easy. Um, you got the soulless White Walkers up north. <laughs> Um, but but honestly, I mean, a big applaud to Canada for making the right choice and actually canceling the meet. Good job. I really wish USAPL would have the guts to do that also, but we don't. So we're gonna have to go through this like massive, massive spreader of a disease. But anyway, uh, good job, Canada. Proud of you guys. Yeah, you know what? That's, I mean, those sentiments are mixed bag for a lot of people too. I, I hopped online. I saw openly Sean Noreg is like, that was a joke. What's Canada thinking? And, um, and I, he's not alone. So, I mean, it, it, it is a dividing ideals, right? And uh, fuck, man, I'm no epidemiologist. I don't know if you guys know that. Were you going to um, compete this year, Ryan? Well, so I wasn't sure. So here's, here's, okay. First off this, before I get into it, let me read the announcement that the CPU made because in Ontario, we had no competitions, right? After this COVID lockdown hit zero. So, and I, I, uh, all right, I'll read this announcement. And then I fall into one of the categories of someone who commented on this announcement. And this is applicable, not just to Canada, but there's probably a lot of people worldwide listening to this, that your nations are going through the same type of shit and you're going to have the same sentiments. So in terms of team selection, because there is no nationals and right now there's not a single event uh, being held anywhere. They said team Canada selection for 2021 international championships will be decided by the 2020 CPU national championships. Keep in mind, we had our nationals right before the COVID really hit around the time of the Arnold. So we did have 2020 champions. 
And then it says, um, so they're going to use the 2020 CPU national championship results uh, following the policy that they have in place. This is the fairest way to give our athletes who earned spots last year to retain their efforts they put forth pursuing international events and provided Canada's lifts the current international travel ban, obviously. So here's where things get a little shaky. The CPU Canadian Nationals were just weeks before the Masters World Championships. So all of the previous uh, national champions in the Masters, myself being one of them, who had previously went to Worlds, and I mean, I'm not talking whatever. It's just numbers. I would have been a favorite to win Nationals, but I was allowed to forego the Nationals and go to Worlds. And uh, But be, obviously the Worlds got canceled. And then the nationals just went through. So it's just the timing of it. But now, (laughs) I was going to represent Canada and they told me to, this is the route we're going to go, but the way it works out. So it works out fairly. They're not actually taking the team because of the, because specifically for the masters. Only masters. We're the only ones getting So 2020 worlds didn't get, didn't make the national team for 2020 masters worlds, correct? Uh, um, 2020 nationals, you mean? So 2020 yeah. nationals, that's right. Yeah. Because the way they, the way, gotcha, um, gotcha. yeah. And this is because the IPF, yeah, so sucks. the IPF changed, split the masters away from the open. Um, so, and then the CPU, the Canadian arm didn't have enough time to reschedule nationals. And then all the masters like, what are we going to do? Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about nationals or master story because I don't think a shitload of our listeners give a fuck. <laughs> I'll be quite honest. So yeah, the masters are getting fucked over, but I don't think too many people are going to cry for them. However, there is a bigger picture here. And, um, and I'm one of the people getting fucked over, but I'll be all right. Don't worry about me. But here's what a couple people said. And let me know your thoughts on, this is a comment. Uh, Nick Manders in the open, the kid's a stud. One of our better upcoming stars had mentioned I understand this may be a fair decision, but is it the best decision for a competitive, from a competitive perspective? A lot of changes happened in that year, which, which will look more like two by the time Worlds does come along. Uh, many people that made the time back in 2020 Nats may not have had the opportunity to train for the majority of the time between now and then due to COVID or made changes in the time since. On the flip side, some athletes that have been able to train have become much stronger than their prospective competitors in this time. So I don't believe it is even truly fair decision because it excludes so many of the new, uh, giving new chance. Uh, Because, but regardless of fairness, we should send the most competitive team in my opinion. And that means sending the individuals who have proven themselves more recently than 1.5 years ago. Plus, shouldn't a world-level lifter be able to re-qualify given the chance regardless? Now, the reason why, and and the Canadian president answered back, the reason why Nick really responded in that, and it's a little choppy because it's, it's, uh, it's written as a comment in Instagram, but essentially what he's saying is this happened so, so long ago, relatively speaking, and we know how quickly powerlifting periods change over when people come into, and Nick himself, the fucking gains he's making is phenomenal. So he's probably feeling as though, and and not just him, but his comment was there. 
is there a way that people who have competed more recently and might have even superseded what happened at nationals have an opportunity given that if some of these individuals superseded what happened at nationals are like, hey, I think I might be more competitive if the goal is to put together the most competitive possible team. The Canadian president came back and said, essentially, I'm going to summarize instead of reading it because I read it beforehand, but he essentially said, look at the, the difference is though, by region, and this probably applies to other people worldwide, some provinces were locked down, some provinces were not, some regions within provinces were locked down. And that happens in the US as well. I know some states and probably across Europe, some were not. So some people had the opportunity to lift oh, hey, a year later, my, my totals went up. You got to lift. And now on record, you lifted more than somebody who lifted at nationals. But that guy or girl at nationals who's the champ didn't get the opportunity because their region is shut down. So they're like, sure, but I won when it counted and didn't have the opportunity previously so uh, or afterwards. So that's what he came back with is saying, yeah, but... And then, um, you know, I, I, I think Nick came back essentially saying true, but you know, the proof is in the pudding. And, and, uh, if, if, if their gyms are shut down, who knows, even if they are training, you can't assume they're not training. A lot of people have home gyms. So what are your thoughts with how Canada has handled it in terms of let's take the 2020 nationals. Let's only look at the open. Let's not look at the masters. They're getting a little fucked. It is what it is, but what are your thoughts about that? I think there's there's one aspect of competitive powerlifting that's really hard to assess in the absence of major competitions, and that is the sort of the tactical element of attempt selection. And so Nick makes a good point that some people will have gotten much stronger in that time and other people will not have gotten stronger or will have gotten weaker for sort of a, a whole variety of reasons. Um, however, in the absence of a major competition before that next selection event, say another Canadian nationals prior to uh, prior to world sort of enough time before worlds that they can get the, the team in at least 60 days before and all of those things. Um, in the absence of another Canadian nationals before then, it would be really hard to say, hey, look, this person is the better power lifter because they're putting up good numbers in the gym. And like those are those are not comparable things. Um, and so from that that perspective, like it's a it's a good point that some people will have gotten stronger, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to put together a good performance on the platform when it matters whereas people who won cpu nationals in 2020 which is you know a, a very major event uh, those people are sort of tried and true it's hard to know whether they are as strong weaker or stronger than they were then but we at least know that they're capable of making good attempt selection on the day and so that's an important part of that as well um, so that's that's one thing that i think is is probably important to consider you're 100% right. Um, and not even just like in the gym. I don't think Nick was necessarily, you know, saying, you know, based off of gym lifts, but local meets, because you happen to live in an area that isn't locked down where some people are. Um, I'm with you where I do see where Nick's point is. And he probably makes some, and, and some people, there will be a couple people who, fuck me, if I had the chance, I think this would have been my year and, and they might even be right. However, you do make a very valid point. Proof is in the pudding. It can't be about potential. How many times, uh, Bill and Arian, have we seen in the U.S. Na nationals where somebody is killing it on the local scene, shows up to nationals, and it just doesn't unfold like that? And to Rory's point, that's how you show you're a power lifter. It's a sport, not a, a series of exhibitions when you're lifting unopposed. And you got to show up for the big games. W would you agree with Rory's statement or Nick's? 
Um, Bill, you can go first and we'll go with Arian. Yeah, I mean, the, the CPU president is knocking this whole thing out of the park, man. He's doing great. He made the right decision on canceling Nats. He did the right decision on picking his team. I mean, local meets are local meets. They get you to national. I mean, in, especially in Canada, right? Local meets get you to provincials, which gets you to nationals, which gets you to worlds, right? Is that how it works? You uh, have to do like the four different levels. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. a, yes. So, so basically saying like my total at a local meet should count against someone else who's done it at a national level you know, with different judging and this, that, the other thing. Um, yeah. So totally agree with Rory, totally agree with the president. Like, you know, those people who won at 2020 nationals got screwed out of 2020 worlds. 2020, 2021 nationals isn't happening for Canada. So yeah, let the people go that earned their spot to go last year before the uh, lockdowns hit. Yep. I agree. And it's Shane Martin, who's the Canadian yeah, yeah, Shane, president. Right. He's he's a young guy, young blood got in there, and he I, I agree that quip guy, quip guy. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We I don't hold that against him though. I'm trying to get positives first, but you're right. Balance it with the negative as well. Um, but uh, <laughs> what's that, Rory? Uh, he also does bench only, I think. Yeah, big oh, bencher. Jesus. Heading, heading all the well, yeah, all right. Look, at, I take it all back. I don't like this guy. <laughs> we we got to get some new blood in there, even younger. But um, no, it, it is true. It's almost like um, doing phenomenal in the preseason, but someone else is like the, oh, fuck, here we go. Here's another time, the Super Bowl champions. And which one's bigger, winning the Super Bowl or a couple of preseason games or having a good preseason record? It all comes down to the big show. And it's easier to go nine for nine and having a really stellar total when you're not pushed you have nobody coming up behind you i don't have to tell you gentlemen all you gentlemen have handled at the world level uh, against the best of the best and know what goes into handling and i think the biggest thing that powerlifting the public of them are missing is a good knowledge of handling and just how much goes into it and how often you see this come into play and it's not going to at all at a local meet you go to cpu nationals if you're going to beat a favorite if you're close enough you can do it by by maneuvering. Arian, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, the, one of the examples that comes to my mind, and he won't mind us uh, mentioning it, is if you just go look at Bryce Lewis's old results and you go see before he moved up to the 105s and he really became one of the top lifters in the country and the world, is he would do great at a local meet and then he'd go to nationals and he'd underperform. And then he'd go back and do a local meet put up new PRs and then go back to nationals and underperform. And some of that was just like the weight class he was in. And some of that was just the psychological aspect of like, yeah, going to a nationals and everything is on the line. Um, so there is that aspect to it. But I think a couple of points that like people may not be thinking about is one, people are already making a reaction or a decision based on the outcome already happening, which is world is going to happen and can is going to send a team and now everyone wants to go. But just like you thought you were going to go to Worlds and it turned out you didn't you didn't go, it didn't happen. Who knows? Maybe Masters Worlds doesn't happen. Maybe Classic Worlds doesn't happen again and it, it all won't matter. And maybe they do have it, but maybe Canada won't send a team. Maybe Canada can't travel internationally. Or you can, but it's like the current situation, I believe, is you have to quarantine when you come back. 14 days quarantine on your own dime if, if you go out of the country. So do people want to do that? And so it all might be worthless. Canada might not send anyone to any international events this year. Um, then the other thing is about sending the most competitive team. I think the part that people, that people take that out of context, I think the part that people are missing is, yes, during a normal year or during normal times. These are not normal times, and so you have to adjust. And so when you're adjusting, you may send less teams, you may send less people to less events, and you may prioritize people that like are more experienced, they, they're not going to fail a drug test, 
They know who the head coach is. They're going to listen to attempt selection and game plan. They already have the team uniform in that aspect. I mean, CPU gets $0 from sending some new person and going to win Masters Worlds. There's no monetary benefit for them. And so they have to protect also the monetary money that they do have by not having any drug failures or any issues like that. So sometimes you might have to prioritize just the open lifters or maybe this year only the equipped open because it's a World Games qualifier year. Like if Rhea Stin doesn't get to go to an event and doesn't get to get in the World Games, that would be a huge miss than some random Masters lifter like in their first year in powerlifting not being able to go to Worlds. Well said. Look, I'm a, we also got asked to say a, a handling story. And I was in a weight cut story, but um, we don't have time for that. But uh, people like the handling stories. And obviously, with you fellas on here, we got a few. But we'll probably save those from their podcast. But something that does fit and I think ties in perfectly for this discussion on, on team selection. I could tell you straight up, Cafwe going into the – who's part owner in terms of King of Lifts. Cafwe going into the 2020 Nationals – the main guy, his chief opposition was big on the subtotal. Kafui was big on the deadlift. Everyone, he broke the IPF world record at the IPF world championships. Everyone knew the guy had a fucking huge debt. Leading into the nationals, we were, you know, we were kind of hit and miss on what we were. I say we as coaching him. We were going to show on terms of his Instagram, wanted it to look like, holy shit, where's the roof on this kid? So going into it, we had his deadlift opener. Higher than what his actual opener would be, but definitely realistic to be very intimidating. It, it, it's it's buyable. You're gonna buy in, and then um, so and then in the in the warm up room, obviously you got to kill it, make make them look fast. So the kid who who had the subtotal knew I need to build my fucking base in the squat and the bench press. So you put the pressure on him, and Caffey had to play it tight. And just stay in the pocket and not miss lifts. So if you go six for six and he's looking ahead like, holy shit, if he's opening at that. And this is an IPF world record breaker with the deadlift. The pressure is on him to go to have the big squat, the big bench, because that's where he's building his total on. Then you're going to start lifting last and you get to just, you get to see what you need to beat. I don't got to tell you, gentlemen, I know you already know, but for anyone listening. And the pressure that Caffrey put the kid missed his third squat and I, we were hoping he would. And we knew he had a bigger squat at a local meet. Nobody else is at the fucking local meet gentlemen. So he had to push higher. So his third, he had a bigger squat at a local meet, but his third attempt was a little higher than that. And then he had to pad it because he's looking down the barrel of what calf we might be bringing. Missed his third squat. Now the pressure's really on, on his bench, isn't it? And the kid had a fucking bench press on him. But he has to hit. He has to cover ground. Otherwise, all ground is lost. Now you really have to double down. Otherwise, you're just accepting loss. And he wanted the national team selection to go to Worlds. We didn't end up going to Worlds. So he fucking goes even heavier on his bench. Caffrey all the while has his dead waiting. And Caffrey went three for three on squat because the pressure isn't on him like it is on this kid. Misses his third bench, obviously, because he's going even heavier. I might as well, might as well put all my chips in the middle in because if I miss it, I'm gone anyway. So let's go. Misses. Deadlift warm up right before. Caffrey brings his deadlift down to what he needs. It. Yeah, fuck, man. This game is almost wrapped. By the time the second deadlift came, Caffrey had already won. All right. So here's another point. That story there highlights how handling does play into it at a national level. We're at a local meet and you don't got to worry. You feel no pressure. You're just going to go nine for nine. 
however you feel that day. You're not going to make adjustments in the bench press. You're not going to really push your squat. You're just going to go nine for nine with whatever you want. Not only that, but Caffrey had his, the, the championship won by his second deadlift because the kid was missing like crazy by then. He's going to hell Mary to win it. So his third deadlift was a big YOLO, I think four times body weight, almost locked it out anyways. He would have been the first Canadian 83 to hit it. He was the first Canadian 83 to ever deadlift 700. He first Canadian 83 to ever break an IPF world record in the open. So he's like, I'm, what's the next one? I, I already have it won. I'll go for a four times body weight. He missed it just that lockout. But if anyone was to look at their total and, and they went to, again, a local meet unopposed, unpressed, they could beat that. And be like, well, I beat Caffrey's total though. And it's like, yeah, but he was, this situation was different though, wasn't it? If you were there at nationals, Caffrey would have put an appropriate deadlift, third deadlift. He's not throwing it away for fun, but you weren't there, were you? And if you were there, who the fuck knows what would have happened to you? That story right there proves, uh, basically highlights what you gentlemen were saying in terms of at a local meet, it's it's entirely different. you know. And, and some people don't get pressure when you're fighting for a spot and there is gamesmanship with handling. I don't got to tell you, fellas, we got into it and I didn't want to get too fucking far into handling, but it's a good story that highlighted. I think that bangs it home. Yeah, it's um, kind of the difference right between nationals and local is basically nationals, you're going to do what you need to do to win. In a local meet, you go to put up the highest total you can possibly do. Bam. Yeah, that's basically it. So, yeah, so, so that totally makes sense. Yeah. Good share, right? Good share. There it is. There it is, fellas. You know what somebody had said? I told Arian, one of the, the things that someone wanted was handling stories. They like it when we get into some good fucking war stories. And I was like, I don't know if we can on this particular podcast. We get other things that doesn't really fit. Bam, we got it for you, my man. Whoever's listening sent that win in. There it is. Um, so there we are. Now, do you fellas, have we hammered this home or do you fellas want to move on to our friends in the untested or is there something else? Do you think we handle this pretty well? Let's keep rolling. Let's keep it fucking rolling. All right. So I'm going to play Garrett Fears video. We're going to watch it together. And then we will, uh, we'll have some comments. Fortunately, it's not long. It's only two minutes. And uh, let me just share my my fucking screen with you. You guys see that? Yes. Yes. I'm just going to make this easy. Um, both the squats that you see from Austin Dodd and Phil Herndon uh, obviously shouldn't have counted. Both of them were done in RPS. This deadlift that Phil did shouldn't have counted. These are both all-time world records and will stand in open powerlifting's record book. Open powerlifting, I think it's your fucking job to help regulate this and fix these problems. Your record book is what everybody takes serious. It's what everybody takes serious, what everybody looks at. And you guys are the only people with the power to make sure things like this don't happen. Um, 
Blame, blame the Fed, not the lifter. Well, Phil did this. Phil's done this before in a, in a different Fed, in a metal militia meet. Took a 900-pound squat. That should have never counted. I know pow, open powerlifting, I love you guys, and you guys have been very vocal on just being a data keeper, but I think you guys could step up and change these issues. You guys could put together a panel of referees from different federations, of whatever. I don't, I don't care. A panel that views these record meets or only counts world records done at high level meets, national level meets, whatever. We need to figure something out because stuff like this needs to stop happening. We're having inflated records all over the place. The 198, the 242, um, the 308, all those records, trash RPS records done with obviously high squats. Um, I just think this is bullshit. And I think people who have a, a voice and an ability to change these things should. I'm not saying that's me. But somebody's got to do something. All right. And then he puts in the caption, these lifts, damn this Fed, shouldn't even count. Share this. Don't let these lifters get away with this type of crap. Okay. I'm going to stop sharing the screen. We'll go back here. Is it just us now? The screen's off? Yep. All right. Bill, what do you think? That was the first time I saw that. That was pretty funny. That was good. Um <laughs> I mean, I listen, he's not wrong by any means that like there should be some sort of, I, I, I don't even, I, I guess all time world records aside, whatever, like open powerlifting is not the vessel for this, right? I mean, they're, you know, they're a data company that just basically respews out what people send them to put put on there so i mean they're not in authority by any means they're just a take it from here and put it to here there you go it's on the internet kind of thing um but yeah i mean listen they were they were clearly high you know we've all probably done things in meets where we know that that lift probably shouldn't have been good or at least coach a lifter who who you're like oh that should not have been good but we're gonna keep our mouth shut whatever i mean so I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, nobody cares about all-time world records is really the, the main part about this whole thing. Like, if you're going to go on open powerlifting and compare yourself to somebody else and you see it was an RPS meet or a metal militia or, or some other meet, some other federation that you don't think is trustworthy, then just say, okay, well, then that person doesn't count and I'm now second instead of third or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, the real, I mean, the real issue is just the the massive fluctuation of like how many different untested federations there are that's really all it is is they're not unified under one thing like the ipf is and they're never going to have anything close to that so there's just it's always going to be like this so there's really no way of changing it unless they somehow get all together and unify under one banner kind of thing I mean, I'm assuming everyone else is going to kind of agree with that but you know go ahead let's hear what do you think rory I have quite the brand uh, about this. How, how, how much of it do you want to hear? All right. Well, let me first all say, let, all of it. I, I want to hear all of it, but let me just first say, um, Garrett, when we posted, we were going to talk about this, said he pulled back on his stance and said, I, I, rethinking it, I don't stand behind those. But okay. So I just want to say that for everybody listening. So those, those lifts were all clearly bullshit, right? I'm, 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 not, I'm not disputing that. Um, However, the way the way to stop bullshit lifts passing in 
powerlifting competitions is not to go to a data collator and say, I need you to watch the video of, of every lift. Um, and because it wouldn't end up just being the all-time world records, which is, is a whole other thing that I think would all-time world records are stupid. Um, but it, it wouldn't just be those lifts, would it? Because then there would be people going, oh, but I want the all-time uh, USA record or the all-time North American record or the all-time uh, Chicago City record or w whatever the hell else it is. And so it's going to end up being not just like a handful of lifts every year that have to be reviewed. It's going to end up being hundreds of lifts. And these videos would get get viewed from God knows what angle they're getting recorded from. Like it's not the angle that referees can see from. It's not an angle where you can even see a good good angle from. Like there was a dude in the way of that guy's hip crease. And like, I could still clearly see it was high, but if it was a little bit deeper, it would, it would have gone from like clearly high to borderline and I can't see it because there's some dude standing in the way. Um, on top, and, and so then I think the, the onus here is actually on the lifters who lift in these federations. And you don't go to a federation that you know is going to pass high squats and, and go, okay, well, that's okay. I'm just going to let that keep happening. Um, and, but be mad about it. I'm, I'm going to squat to like what I think is a good depth, but I'm going to let other people squat high and be mad about it. Like you either have the option to go, okay, well, this is the standard in the federation in which I'm competing. And therefore I'm going to lift to the standard in this federation. Um, and so I'm also going to squat two inches high and, and that is going to bolster my own total, like respectively. Or you go to that federation and you say, actually, I think this federation is, is bullshit because they consistently pass lifts that are two inches high or not locked out or whatever the case may be. And you, you take, and then you go, okay, either this federation needs to start following some standard, which I think is acceptable, or I'm going to move to a federation, which does. And so there definitely are federations that lift to much stricter standards than that. And that's just not one of them. And so people who are at RPS meets who are mad about these squats passing, should go to a different meet like go to a meet where the standards are going to be something that you consider to be acceptable or go to the people who are refereeing these meets or, or meet directing these meets and say hey look this we need to make this meet comply with the standard that we say it should comply with and like the way that the ipf solves that is it goes okay to be a referee and to certify world records you need to pass this like relatively hard uh theoretical exam that both Ari and I have done and it's like relatively in depth and you need to score over 90% or something. And then you also need to do a practical exam where you also need to score over 90%. And so like, yeah, there's still some interpretation. Uh, there's still some calls which are a little bit questionable. Um, on average, they're pretty good. And there is at least a standard. Whereas a lot of these federations, like if you can break a record in a backyard meet with just like any random three people who happen to show up, who feel like they might re like refereeing on the day. Like, yeah, this is the, this is the bullshit that you get when you let that happen. Like if you want to do better than that, go somewhere with standards or try and make the place that you like to go comply with those standards. Well, well said, <laughs> that was well said. Arian, would you want to throw anything else on that? Yeah, I mean, I talked to Garrett a little bit back and forth, like a few messages, and he said similar thing to me how, like, you know, he was very emotional in the moment and he put out a quick two minute video. It wasn't like a very in depth thing going into his idea and everything like that. And so he did pull back on a little bit. But yeah, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily wrong, but the thing is that when you have an idea like that, then you have to start flushing it out more. What are some possible issues with it? What are some barriers to like making it possible? It should open powerlifting even be that that deciding factor should there be another group that then takes the open powerlifting data and then you know then that makes a decision but 
if he did want to make open powerlifting have that and they be the judges or maybe have some kind of third-party panel it, it starts becoming still difficult like rory mentioned about how there's all these different records on open powerlifting it's not just people might just think okay it's only it's only raw and it's only open and these weight classes well, no, there's all these age divisions. There's raw, there's raw with wraps, there's single ply, there's multiply, there's all these different federations. So are you going to go and do all of them? Are you going to go check Team 2 USA records? Are you going to go check Masters 3 uh, fully tested records, something like that? Or are you only going to focus on like, you know, the open division, untested, the highest weights of ever? Then from there, it then becomes, okay, is it now, is it mandatory with all meet results for like the meet director to send in the videos? Or is it up to the lifter and the coach to send in a video to get approval? Does it have to be a certain quality? Does it have to be 1080p? Or can I send in a 360p? And if you can't see my hip crease because it's all pixels, well, then that's your problem. Does it have to be like from a set angle? Do we have to see a front view and a side view? Do we have to see all three judges views? So it starts becoming very difficult and okay, what standard are they gonna set? And how can lifters now manipulate that standard to still get away with their lift? And same thing, like if, what if it's like a big meet where everyone's together, like one of those showdowns and like that? Well, if th two or three people are going for the same record, do now all three of them, should they film? Because what if the first one doesn't get accepted and then the second one never filmed it because they thought the first one was the record? So there's all these extra things that come into it. And then the other, I think one of the key factors that people don't think about is um, open powerlifting does not run for free. It costs them money to run their servers and have all this data. And they do have a Patreon where you can donate between a dollar a month or $20 a month to help cover their costs. So if they're gonna do it, or if they're gonna pay a third party to do it, where are they gonna get this money? Are all these untested people are gonna give them money? Are you gonna like now pay like whatever, you pay now $25 and provide your video in order to be accepted for the open power thing, all time world record. Well, I like it, I like it, I like it. <laughs> you know? so, so there's all, all these issues. I, I think, yes, maybe some, easier solutions might be some of the things the other guys said which is like the lifters have to set the standards for themselves part of the reason why it's not as big of an issue on tested is because the ipf is much more dominant and in, in us we have a lot of federations but a lot of people don't realize if you go to like europe or, or south africa or, or sorry africa or south america or, or somewhere else ipf might be the only federation in your country there's yeah. not there's not 30 federations in new zealand there's not 30 federations in japan and so it's much less of an issue there. There's only one federation. Everyone goes and competes there. The people then accept that as the standard. And so if you set a all-time record and 100% raw in USA, people are not going to recognize that as, a, as a, like a record because naturally the population only sees this one federation. So you can do the same thing on the untested side. Maybe it'll be USPA, IPL. Maybe it'll be a couple, USPA, WRPF. As you see this as the standard, if someone goes to this federation and hits these numbers, then that is the standard. If they go and do it in some backdoor SPF MEEP or RPS, then people just have to ignore that. That is that is not a good lift. We don't we as a community don't recognize that. Um, and people that go there, you should then maybe see okay, then they're trying to purposely cheat. And uh, one other point that I was thinking about as far as that about people like you know what kind of morals you have is this is this is only what you're seeing. What you're seeing is the video that comes out, but what are the other things they could be doing at these meets that you don't see? For example, what if someone cuts from 330 down to 308, but they only weigh 310 or 312, but they know the referee weighing a man, it's RPS meet, who cares? That's we'll happened before. You, we'll write you down as 308. H how do you know? Are you gonna now have to video every single weigh-in too? So there's probably some things going on too that maybe the weights aren't calibrated. You're only seeing what you as videoed and evidence online. 
also yeah. happened before. The, the, so it, the, what you just said has happened though. So True. as 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 lifters, maybe you have to you know set certain federations as these are the ones we care about. We'll ignore these other ones, and those people just you know die out, or those people will come transfer over to the federation that we do care about. Okay, I'm gonna give my opinion afterwards because it's the right answer. But um, first, I'm going to. <laughs> but first, let me ask the second part. He had said banning the open powerlifting, banning um certain federations like rps and metal militia which fucking sounds like a garage band right uh whatever what, what are you guys thoughts on open powerlifting banning them and not accepting their records if they give them forward well op open powerlifting does not set records right open powerlifting collates information that is available other places on the internet and it puts it in one place so when you go ah who is so-and-so, I'm just gonna search them up on, on open powerlifting and find out what they've done before, right? Like they don't set what the record is. If people use it like that, that's that's sort of a different thing, but but they don't set what the record is. And so for them to say, actually, you know what, we're not gonna accept records from federations that are legit, or we're not gonna accept uh, any data from federations that are legitimate. Um, like, I don't think that's, it's not really on them at this point. They're, like they've said, we're gonna take all legitimate powerlifting data and we're gonna try to put it in one place. And I'm saying legitimate because there's been a couple of uh, a couple of meets that they've removed because they were held illegally during uh, like lockdowns and there wasn't supposed to be a meet running at all and a couple of things like that. Um, so like ignoring that sort of stuff, they, they've said that what they're doing is they're collating all powerlifting data in one place. And if you don't care about it, there's a filter on the side and you can click all of the federations that you think are interesting and you can search by those federations. And if you don't care about metal militia or RPS, or even if you don't care about the IPF or, or, or someone else, you just like deselect that one and don't search by it. Like it's, it's real easy to do. And in fact, I think they've got uh, open APIs now. So if you really hate it, you can make your own front end to their database that automatically excludes federations you don't care about. An interesting question that he posed, Ryan, that you brought up and, and that I think we don't know is what is open powerlifting standard to put a result on their website? Do you have to have like, you know, a, a business opened up in that country? Does it have to have like, you know, a certain number of competitions? Like, why can't we just open up the king of the list powerlifting federation us, get a, a LLC run one meet and say, these are federation meet results. You have to accept it. So I, I don't know what their standard is because for example, one of the things that came to my mind is, no high school powerlifting association association as far as i know is on there like texas high school powerlifting association thspa is like their high school uh meets there separate from usapl and that's not on open powerlifting so like why do they not have those results do they not have access to it is it because it's a connected to a high school uh state or city and it's not a actual business so I wonder if there's something there where they can raise those standards and say, okay, maybe you have to have a minimum number of meets or minimum number of lifters, or like uh, Rory said, they have filters there for all feds, all fully tested, all tested, maybe put another one in there for like, you know, something like untested that has minimum, whatever, minimum hundred meets a year or something like that, that they can maybe raise the standard for those and filter it. Here's what I think. So in terms of what what gets collected what doesn't i don't think they're making necessarily a whole lot of judgment as long as um they're able to collect this data it's available to them it looks like it was run legally and etc i think they're just collecting without trying to do judgment of anything politically motivated and i think they're purposely leaning against that and say we are a data collection company don't use us to be 
if you don't see it here, it's not official. There's, we're just collecting data. There's nothing official like a governing body. Go ahead, Aaron. I just wanted to quickly add that. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, 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 I usually go on open IPF, but I went to open powerlifting, and they actually do have the Texas high school powerlifting and the high school ones on there. So okay. I guess they, they do accept those as well. Okay, yeah. And we just thing, fixed it 30 seconds ago when I heard you say that. That's right. This is fucking live. Put but, in the uh, PR like while you were talking to make it work. So, yeah, you're, you're I think this really just this just comes down to like thank you for the eight people at Open Powerlifting for actually putting this together so we don't have to do this work ourselves instead of just bitching. Like again, like it doesn't matter what you do in you know in this sport of powerlifting, everyone just bitches about everything. It really doesn't matter what happens. Like they literally made the best website in powerlifting where everyone's data is together and it makes it so much easier for coaches, for lifters, for fun, for whatever, just to like go on there and be like, Oh, how do I compare to the rest of the world? Cool. I'm 17,362nd, you know, in the world. Awesome. That's really cool. Right. Like we're to be clear. That's eight part-timers working like a couple of hours after they finish their day job. Like they're not getting paid for this. This is volunteers. Right. Exactly. Right. So like, like this is the best website, the best, yeah, for sure. The best website in powerlifting history. It's the fucking goat and people bitch about it. Doesn't I, make any I, sense. Yeah. And, and to be clear again, um, I know you're not referencing Garrett directly, but Garrett backed up and said, I oh, don't no, want to no, come no. on. Yeah. 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 I, I, anywhere. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just want for anyone who's listening, who fucking, you know, uh, cause Garrett actually backed up and said, look, and I'm not coming at those guys. I was hot just throwing out ideas, but it's more, his venom was towards, and this is where I want to segue to my ideas on this, but his venom was more towards the lifters and the standards and something needs to be done. So off the top of his head, he's like, fucking open powerlifting. But now upon discussion, I think he's like, maybe that's not the route, but something has to be done. Let me just say this. And I think we're, we're beating around the bush here, but there's something real big that needs to be digested by everybody listening here, not just here, but fucking listening to the podcast. The reason why IPF world records, everyone in the IPF, there are other tested federations I couldn't give a shit less what the records are if they're more or less than the IPF. There's a reason why the IPF has gentlemen only and ladies only getting records at international events where we know the judges have been vetted. And some people say it's, well, gravity's gravity. What's the difference if it's at a local meet, a national meet or the world championships? I bet you're new to powerlifting and you haven't been around the block long enough to see this kind of shit. But stick around. If that's you, you're probably in a backyard fed and don't really know. Stick around and enjoy. Now some people are just getting some sprinkles of, oh, this is the problem. Yes, this is a problem. Now let me go somewhere with this. So that's why the IPF did what they did and made it only international events can you break world records when they have international judges with exams and you have to sit in the chair and they see your calls. And if you pass, you pass. And okay, now in the whole world's watching at international events and it's vetted these all time records that everyone's putting stock in, in the untested, you're putting stock in a collection of local meets. And I can't tell you enough how silly that is to me. It all comes down to the stock you put in these. Stop looking at local meets and, and endorsing this. 
behavior, the untested. You have people who will avoid the Kern U.S. Open to break their world record a month earlier at essentially a local meet with their friends hosting. God knows what they're doing. If sometimes it's calibrated plates, sometimes it's not calibrated plates. Sometimes it's the fucking local football coach who's sitting in and he's the judge and you see all types of tomfoolery happening. And that's your all time world record. And if that's what you think is holding weight. And in terms of what people are saying, this is hurting our sport. It's not though. Let's talk about the impact. It's, oh, love. It's not, though. If I click at these all-time world record breakers, they have like 2,000 people on Instagram. Nobody knows who the fuck they are. Can you gentlemen tell me these guys in the untested's name that, that uh, Garrett, no, you can't. It's not a big deal. Nobody gives a fuck except for the hardcore one percenters. IPF Worlds, you win the world championships, you're far more likely to get recognized than if you held the world record like my man Caffrey where you broke a world record. It's big. It's still big. But if people just look at perspective here, this isn't the, this isn't the big crusher in terms of powerlifting that everyone thinks it is. Nobody in the mainstream gives a fuck about an RPS meet gives a fuck about the guy who with 2000 followers who squats high and broke a meat in fucking Alabama. It, nobody knows about it. It's not that big of a deal. So in terms of like, fuck, something's gotta be done. Holy shit. I get it. You're upset. But these people who are actually squatting to depth in real feds like Garrett, he's in the untested. He chooses the feds he wants to go at. He has a following. He has literally 10, 20 times the following of some of these quote unquote all-time world record breakers. Garrett Hall is right in the world, my friend. The right people are following the right people because they know class and they know quality. So that's the biggest. So when people like Garrett, who actually have followings, John Hacks in the untested, squats to depth. Steffi Cohen's close to a million, squats to depth. Those are the people with the following. So when they're in the appropriate competitions, that's all you need. Let these fucking backyard guys lift in their backyard events that nobody gives a shit about and talk about a fucking record that gets held at a local meet where we all laugh. At, let's laugh at them. Laugh at not just the, the laugh at the records, laugh at the idea and it becomes obsolete. But putting attention to it when you have a following is the opposite. And you get no more of a, of an accurate assessment of it of, there are other tested competitions. Tell me they're a tested world champion from a different fed besides the IPF and their world records. And if they have it higher than the current IPF world record, do you give a fuck? The answer is no. <laughs> no. I, I think you said a good thing about uh, or a good point about the whole. I said a lot of good points, love. Yeah. But, but the, the, <laughs> thing I started, the thing I started thinking about, which uh, th these guys have also mentioned too, about like the, the value of a, of a record is that, yeah, for the IPF, you have to take this exam. You have to have been a referee at your, at your country level. And, you know, you have three referees from different countries in the chair. You have three or five referees in a jury also from different countries that can overturn those lists. Now you also, since 2017, you have instant replay for the jury to look at in case they want to overturn a lift. And you still have sometimes the people make mistakes of refereeing or the jury doesn't over overturn a call. And on top of all that, the IPF at any moment can just wipe out your records. Oh, we're going new weight classes. We're going to retire all those records. We're going to go to standards. And now your record is gone. So uh, retired, not gone, retired. Yeah. I like that better.
But then no, when people or, go or, look at or your, or when people or your go, meat doesn't count anymore. That's my favorite one. But you, but you go look at the records and you only see okay, it's this person. You don't remember. You don't see the history anymore. That's on a separate site or something like that. So, so it's more of a focus, like you said, on that title. You win the world champion. You will be forever known as the world champion of that year. You have your medal. Maybe you get the best lifter award and everything like that. You'll always remember that moment. Records are meant to be broken. Record, records will get broken in any sport, and our sport that will get wiped out. And also in our sport on on open powerlifting and these other things, there will always be meets that are missing because there's these countries that don't submit results, or there'll be meets that are incorrect. So one example for me, if you go look in the lifting database on USAPL or on open powerlifting, is I had did a meet in Oklahoma in 2012 before they had the USAPL lifting database. And when they were transferring all the results over, they must have used some kind of you know data collection software or some kind of formula that pulled my squat in for the squat, bench press, and deadlift. So if you go look, I have a 210 kilo squat, bench press, and deadlift for that meet. That throws off all, that throws off all the rankings. Now I'm, I'm a 93 kilo lifter who has a 210 kilo bench press above some other people, even though I only bench press like 140 at that meet. So I thought for a second there, I shit you not, you were going to try to pull some funny shit and be like, and my results didn't go through, but Fuck if I didn't break an all-time world record. <laughs> I was gonna say, stop. All right, that's so, it. <laughs> someone can go look. Someone can go look at my 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 uh, username or my profile on on Open Powerlifting. You'll see a two ten bench from two thousand twelve, and then all one twenty to one forty after that because it was just incorrect. And so there's results that are missing. There's results that are that are incorrect. The rankings gonna be wrong, um, and that's why, like you said, you have to set your own standards as lifters. These meets or these federations or where we want the quality lifts are going to be at, and that's those that people will care about, or going to these head-to-head battles. There's there's some big untested meets out there coming now that are also having prize money there. Go do it head-to-head. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. One time I weighed in in the U.S., um, we had traveled, and it was a local meet, um, and, the, and I was using it as a prep for a bigger meet, and I was practicing my weight cutting, and on the scale, I shit you not, it said I was like a 100 and. 60 something pounds, which was like, I was, you know, I was getting close to a 74 kilo. I think it was said it was like a 74 kilo and I was killing myself to make 83. And I was like, holy shit is because the scale was off and I was leaning forward, leaning back and the scale wasn't reading right. And I looked at the fucking guy and he was going to write it down. And only because I'm like, I can't do this. So I'm like, man, this hang on. It's like the scales off and he corrected it, but that just goes to show that does not happen. It was a local meet. And I was an, a guest lifter because I'm not American. So I'm not breaking any national records. I'm not breaking. So whatever. But if that, like, that's the type of shit that'll happen at local meets, never would that happen at an international competition. If you think that's only ever happened to me in terms of the scales, and it's it'll never happen at a local meet to anyone else. Of course it does. Now, if somebody's getting close to you know, it doesn't take much to bring certain scales when you want to go for certain records and shit like that. Anyways, and we've already, don't get me into handling and all the rest of it. How much does a world record really mean when it's at a local meet? We already covered it. It kills me that the untested doesn't have, you know, sometimes when I hear that, it's like, man, it means something. If you actually go against international competition to break an international record, you, if you do it at a fucking local meet, it's the same argument we just had about the nationals and, and bumping somebody at a national, um, on the national team to myself, we're, we're going to go and sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just gonna say, they just need to set their own standard if they're not going to have a one world championship. Like I was thinking about Multiply, about the whole back in the day with Dave Hoff stuffing something under his shirt for bench press. Like everyone knew that was BS and everyone made fun of him for it and people just didn't recognize it. That's what the untested side needs to do with their raw, raw reps. Yeah, I mean, eventually, like the big name lifters who I already named, who are reputable with their lifts, they're all at the big reputable competitions. You know, you gotta, you watch the current US Open, people are getting red lights like crazy on squats. It's tough. It's tight. Good. And then that means more to win the current than it does to break a fucking record. You know how many records Steffi Cohen has? Like fucking 26 world records. And they're probably like, she lifts legit. But what I'm saying is you don't know because you, you don't really care. But you'll know when you see her going, Mariana Gasparine in the battle of, I think it was 2019. It was fucking phenomenal. I don't give a shit who has most three throws, but I fucking care about watching the NBA finals. Come on, put your stock in other things. All right, fellas, beat that goddamn horse to death, resuscitated it and kicked the shit out of it again, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good there. Um, what's what's next up? Was Unless there's anything else somebody wants to say, don't make me, make me move forward unless there's one more tidbit. We're all good? I don't know how uh, familiar Rory is over there with, action movies do we want to do action or do we want to do the over-unders or overrated underrated because that, do we want to stay powerlifting and leave the non-powerlifting till the end what do you think let's stick with the powerlifting and come back to the the okay random bullshit at the end random bullshit hey everyone listening some random i was bullshit gonna say the opposite stick to the random bullshit now which is the powerlifting then we'll go to the fun stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say if we want to do a random bullshit powerlifting to start I was going to say the first overrated or underrated we can do is all-time world records. Well, look at, I think we're all, unless, don't let me, yeah, I think we're all going to say they're fucking way overrated. Way overrated. Uh, nobody disagrees here. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Hey, fun fact though, I just, I was looking up before, I think Arian's um, lifter, Jonathan um, Garcia, has an all-time world record, which is kind of fun, in the 67 and a half kilo squat. Is that your man? Yeah, test. Yeah, he did it at a local meet in uh, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Right, he still yeah. doesn't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we kind of, we kind of knew, like when when we were working that meet. There's different stats you look at. Okay, what's the IPF world record total that Charles has, or what's the all-time squat or all-time bench or anything like that. So the goal was for a little while to have the biggest squat in the world, regardless of federation. Um, just because that's what he likes, even though, you know, the, the primary goal is winning nationals and winning worlds. And also he wanted to be one of the only American bench pressers to bench press over 400 pounds, because there are a few outside the U S like Eddie Berglund who can do way more. So he wants to be like, you know, one of the only guys in the U S and then the total, obviously having the biggest total. Um, but yeah, I think we all go with, we all go with overrated because, uh, yeah, I mean, you're not getting any money out of it. The standards are different, even with not even with federation, but also within years. Like who knows if like, you know, the material in knee wraps or the length of knee wraps has changed that can make people get more out of it and that kind of stuff, uh, different bars and everything like that using monoliths. So I think we all say, yeah, I think we all agree that I just thought it was fun. I thought it was a cool thing that one of your lifters actually has an all time world record. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, look, I put it this way. I think that's a great setup. Let me throw it at you like this. I guarantee your lifter. Sorry, which, which one was it? Is Garcia, which Garcia? Jonathan. Jonathan Garcia. Jonathan Garcia, okay, yeah. Familiar, he's, he's an absolute stud. Six, six kilo, that's insane that he's going to be bench pressing 400 pounds, by the way. That's a 145 pound man, that is nutso. But let's put it this way. 
he's got an all-time world record. If you asked him right now, would you trade that all-time world record to become the world champion? You know? Ask him if you would trade it to be the national champion. Yeah, exactly. Or just the national champion, let wouldn't alone world champion. In a heart, wouldn't even think about it. What are you kidding yeah. me? Take this fucking thing. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to change his I uh, his IG profile to include all-time world records. <laughs> he might. He might, but you bet your ass if he becomes U.S. national champion. That's that's the difference, right? That's where uh, this is sports, and winning in competition means a lot more than a random fucking uh, I, I, w- I would argue that, I mean, looking at it right now for Raw, there's a lot more IPF lifters on the Raw all-time world records than like Raw with wraps or single ply. I think it's just like, you know, for the untested side, there's a lot less raw lifters and also in the, like the lower weight classes. A lot of the raw only lifters are the super heavyweights. So, yeah, like looking at this, like, yeah, Jonathan has an all-time world record squat. I mean, uh, Austin Perkins has an all-time world record squat. Dennis Cornelius has an all-time world record squat. Ray Williams has an all-time world record squat. I don't think they really care because it just happens to be that they're the most comp- it's the most competitive in the IPF and also most competitive for all time for raw. Well, it, that'll come down to, and you're right. I, I like. I think they'll think it's cool, but it's not going to be over the top. But if that's all you've got, if you don't have yourself, and actually Garrett has been on this podcast and talked about, I would love to see the untested have nationals like you guys have nationals, worlds like you guys have worlds. I would love to see that. It would mean so much more. Um, he actually said on this podcast, if he could go back and start all over again, he would have never started using gear and just went the IPF route, but it is what it is, right? He's too honest. He's like, I'm not going to fucking just try to beat a test and do that shit. I'm not going to go that route. So hats off to him for that. But it is, yeah. Um, so, so I, I think, yeah, it's cool enough, but I think we all know the answer there. What's the next overrated underrated that you got, sir? Uh, I'm moving it out of order, but to what I think might be interesting this one I think may be interesting. We'll get some differences is whether you think just the bench only category, like the bench press world championships, you think that's overrated or underrated? Bill, you want to start? Underrated. Oh, you can. All right. Well, the question is, is, is my opinion, like, like over, over underrated by the public or by the public, or you can do both. Fuck it. Say, say, I, I think it's definitely underrated by the public. Um, cause I mean, I don't think it gets very much respect at all, but, um, yeah, I'm a, yeah, obviously, I like the bench press. I coach a lot of good bench pressers. Um, but, I yeah, I do think it's a, a definitely underrated by the public for sure in the – especially in the power – like the, the full lifters are like, oh, bench press only. Blah, blah, blah. Basically what Ryan said before, you know, like literally exactly what Ryan said before. Like, oh, he's a bench only guy. Oh, oh he's an equipped bench only guy. Like that, basically, with his pinky up like this in the air. Like, you know, yeah. ridiculous. But um, – <laughs> Yeah, so I would say definitely say underrated for sure. What do you think, like, Rory? Uh, definitely, definitely underrated. Like, uh, I think bench only as I think competing periodically in bench only, even as a three lift athlete, is good for your bench press development as a three lift lifter. I think bench press meets are really exciting to watch because they're quick. Like, you can watch an entire meet in half an hour. You get all of the same attempt selection shenanigans that you get in deadlifts, except you only have to wait twenty minutes for them instead of like four hour to six hour powerlifting meet. Um, like. I love watching the the great bench presses go and put up like 20, 30, 40, 50 kilos more than the, the three lift athletes. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's great. I went to a bench worlds in 2019 and it was just like outstanding. I would definitely do that again. Okay. They're also well, the most fun to compete in too. Like, I mean, like literally you go to these meets and it's just like a bunch of like bros or like, you know, just you're like, like hanging out. Bench yeah. yeah. Everyone's hanging out. There's no pressure. Like 
there's no squats and so no one's like nervous about hitting depth or anything like that like it's just like fun like, you don't like, wake up just, broken the next day, like after a three lift meet, like you wake up the next day and you're like, sweet, I feel fine. It's just like a, <laughs> it's like easier than my regular training day. I can just like, exactly. keep going. okay. So let me go then. You guys are really pissing me off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's overrated. And here's why uh, you guys have basically, it's because I'm not good at it. No, this is why it's overrated. Um, you're right. You don't feel broken the next day because you ain't doing much. It's, it's in terms of the three lists that get their own nationals, that get their own worlds, that get their own all all the way up the chain. Fudge, man, you pick the bench, the one that you lay down in, the one that is the least fun to watch, the one that I mean, if you could have done the most, if you just throw the weight on the ground and you do a deadlift, that's I think the deadlift in terms of let's see who's the strongest. Overall, if I plugged you into machine, just fucking cut cut right to the chase. I want to plug. Okay, I I have a counter to that, and that's that the bench press is also the most inclusive lift, right? Like you can be very badly injured, you can be very badly disabled, you and and like all sorts of other things, and you can still bench press. And okay. I think it's really cool that 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 you can do things like people who can't do three lift can still bench press and they can still show up and it still gives them an opportunity to compete. And like a lot of people who are in that position, like they can't compete in many sports at all. And so for that reason is like, okay, let me say okay. something. Let me say something. If you're talking about like Paralympics, whatever, 100%, I, I, I'm on board with you. But if you're talking just in general, full body public, um, I, I shed no tears. Let me tell you something. I want the elite of the elite. If you, if you have troubles deadlifting, for whatever the fuck reason. I mean, look at, I can't fucking dunk a basketball, but don't change the height of the goddamn rim because I suck at basketball. I'm I actually prefer that. I actually, the fact that it's, it's, if you're telling me it's really easy, I don't feel beat up. These are uh, working against me. And, and um, so I like, and, and like I was saying, if you're going to choose one, give me, and it's a strength sport. Give me the one that when I see you do it, I'm like, God damn, that's, that's, that might be the strongest woman or man I hear today but when I see the bench press you know it's it's good it's a for sure of a, a, a feat of strength and I like it okay but I'm just saying overrated underrated I'm not saying like not like I want to emphasize that but overrated underrated of the three god damn what do you think would have happened if they never went the bench press route and they always went the deadlift route and it's just you pick the weight off the ground get the spotters out the way. There's not a lot of fucking rules involved. And if I plug a machine up to you, that's the simplest way of looking at it. Who's the strongest? The deadlift's going to sort that out. So the USAPL used to have squat nationals and deadlift nationals, and they don't exist anymore because no one would go. Cause that's how boring it is. You're, you're talking to a, you're talking to a push pull national champion. Yeah, this right guy, here. This Well, excuse me. I am actually a bench-only national champion as well. Uh, Just throw that out there. I'm glad someone disagreed, though, so that we all don't go the same thing. I think from the general population of powerlifters, it is underrated for a couple of reasons. One, I think from the coaching aspect, people don't realize how much more of a coaching strategy is because it's only one lift. You don't have, like, you know, okay, I screw up the squat, I have time in the bench press and delve to recover. Once those openers are in and you put that paper out at, at Bench Worlds, everyone's going to look, okay, what everyone weighing at? What's their lot number and what's their opener? And based on those, people are then going and changing their opener already. Okay, I want to be the last bencher. I want to make sure I'm after this person. So you already have some jockeying right on the opener. Then 
from there, if you're the last bencher, you may want to stay ahead on second and third. If you're not the last bencher, you might want to jump. And then on thirds, you're getting all those changes of, okay, especially on the equip side, what can this person actually do? Are they going to mess up in their shirt? Everything like that. So there's a lot more strategy there. And more I think strategy or their strategy? It's tactically way more aggressive than than three lift because you only get three opportunities. You don't you, you can't do makeups like you can't I, miss a spot and come it's back. It's aggressive. And I, I, guess, I guess you can say it's more strategy and a more compact thing because uh, one I, left. I, more but yeah, you, I, I would, would, you, would you say it's more strategy or higher stakes? Because I don't it's, think there's it's higher stakes and, and more. Do. There's no yeah, more things you could do that in a bench than three lift, but the stakes are higher. Yeah, it's it's higher stakes because you can yeah, change yeah. two out of your okay. three lifts. So you're changing, some people are changing, you know, the opener and then they're changing the deadlift twice. So you're getting a lot of changes back and forth. And so you get a lot of strategy there. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's more compact, but also from, I think from the viewer side, from the general public, they relate to the bench press the most. They go like, oh man, I go to the, gym, the bench. I do, I go to the gym. I do one plate. This guy's doing, you know, six plates, seven plates. And so I think, you know, you see at the Arnold and the bench only and the deadlift only, you're getting a lot of people watching. It's very short. It's very like, you know, a lot of changes, you know, you get a lot of personalities there, whether it's, you know, Thomas Davis or, you know, Dennis Cherry or back in the day with James uh, Henderson, everything like that. They're going crazy. Jen Thompson's up on top of the bench and everything like that. So it's a lot of like, yeah, it's short, fast, a little bit hectic, high stakes. And I think people would see power thing better that way. And, but I know that, you know, powerlifters sometimes don't think benchers are powerlifters because they're not doing the other lifts. And, and as, as Rory mentioned, the, uh, the pair of bench, a lot of people like watching highlights of the pair of bench because there's these, these guys that just, you know, lay down, they take their own lift off, they do their own pause and they're pu pushing massive weight. Yeah. I enjoy the, the pair of benchments, uh, Rockman from I, uh, Iran who, and he passed away and, um, I reposted it a few times at like fucking crazy. He has no use of his legs, could not even set up an arch properly. So when you do flat bench with no arch setup or at all in the numbers, he, I think he hit a 310 kilo bench. It, it was, it's insane what that man could do heart. Like I, I messaged him a couple of times through broken English. He messaged me back and he doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. Like he would, but he was going to just because, Oh, thank you for the support. Blah, blah, blah. Like super nice guy. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, one thing, like I just noticed on King of List, I don't want to dwell on this one too long. Cause we're, we're, we're doing pretty good here and I want to get some more done while we got Rory, but I do notice when I repost bench, it doesn't quite usually get the same pop. So I wonder if packaged well, a squat only, like when we see some big squats, uh, or a deadlift only could because visually speaking, I know it gets a lot of pop when when I do repost. Underrated, exactly. You're literally uh, proving well, our point. Thank you. Well, well I think it's it, well, I think it's overrated that it has its own. But uh, anyways, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Ari. What's the next one? Next one only because I did a video on it this week. I threw it in there. Yeah. Is overrated or underrated wrist wraps? What do you think, Bill? Underrated. Sorry, what do you say, Ro? You go ahead first. So, sorry, I keep cutting in with right, right as Arian said. Okay. Um, wrist straps underrated. Underrated. Okay. Give your yeah. reasoning. Give your reasoning. I think there are people who lift without wrist straps who could benefit from lifting with wrist straps. I think wrist straps will help. I'm not going to say literally everyone, but almost everyone. Um, and like, there's no downside to wearing them unless you're wearing them on deadlifts and the, and the wrap itself is dragging against your body. There's a like a, a, a small chance that that can happen. Um, though I, I do understand some people, if they wrap them tight enough, can also get like a pro big grip from from wrapping the, 
the risk traps hard enough. So with that, like I think they're rated highly, but they could be rated more highly. Like there's people who could benefit from using them who don't currently use them. Yeah. Bill? Yeah, the fact that there's uh, that I know someone who doesn't use wrist wraps really bothers me every day <laughs> of my life. Every day. Your, your every cereal day. doesn't taste as sweet in the morning. Like, it's just saying the fact that Arian doesn't use them just really, really bothers Arian, me. Arian, you don't use it? Okay. Uh, well, you, it's, it's, okay. it's disgusting. But yes, they're massively underrated. Um, like, what about Quentin Meyer? Yeah, like, I, he, he could be better for sure. I mean, the guy got bronze medal at world championship and you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense to me, but um, no, but honestly, I mean, they're there, they're legal. Why wouldn't you use them? There's no downside. Like Rory said, to not using them. They're only going to benefit you. Um, it makes no sense whatsoever not to use them. And go ahead. Tell me why you're wrong, Arian. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just glad we disagree on these things. I, I, I like Rory's point that there's basically no downside to it other than maybe just the cost of buying it. And they're not that expensive but I would rate them slightly overrated because as a general population, most people don't have like, you know, wrist issues or whatever wrist pain that they have to wear wrist wraps for squat and bench press. Most people aren't pushing enough weight and most people aren't failing because, you know, the wrist cocks back on them and the, and the bar, you know, gets out of position or not. Um, and, and you see big lifters. Like I said, Quentin Myers done 310 kilo equipped bench press with uh, no wrist wraps. I have felt no difference taking them off and doing the way I grip the bar really low in the palm. So I think just as a general population, if you took away, take, take away the top 10% or top 5% elite lifters, if you take the rest of the group, you took the wrist wraps away from all of them, I think they will all bench the same. They'd all be fine. I, uh, so if I, had one, if I could have one piece of equipment. Time. Sorry, if I could have one piece of equipment, it would be my wrist wraps. Bench for your belt? No, no, no. Squat, bench. You wouldn't take yeah. a belt. You wouldn't take a belt. I would rather have my wrist wraps than my belt. You're insane. Yep. You just now, now they're overrated. Now they're overrated. Yeah. Holy shit. That no, okay. 100, listen, 100, I was about sure. to listen. I was about to say underrated. And then you guys got crazy on me. <laughs> and you went too far. And this is what happens. This is, I was with you guys. I was, I was in the, you guys are driving. I was in the back fucking seat and I'm like, turn that. You know, the song you're singing, fucking sing it louder. I was going to roll the windows down and let the fucking neighbors hear it. And I was going to sing along until you went too far. Rory, you agree with that? Yeah. I, if, I had, if I could have one piece of equipment, I would take you're wrist pervert. wraps. You're a pervert. I mentioned wrist straps when I'm not even wearing shoes or socks or a shirt. Jesus like Christ. 100%. I'm nothing without my belt. I My belt I'm Batman. I'm nothing without my utility belt. Yeah, God bless. No, listen. If if someone's asking me, like, okay, all right, let's 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 settle down here. <laughs> we all got, we all said some things we didn't mean. Let's back it. <laughs> um, I would say they're underrated in general. I I I enjoyed them. I felt a lot stronger in them. Just, I felt tighter and I like the feeling of tightness, but if we're talking like some people are in this conversation about, you know, they're more important than your belt and whatever, start ranking things. If we're ranking equipment, they rank lower than the belt, um, lower than chalk, lower than, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's more, it'd be one of the last things I put on. Um, I put them on before knee sleeves. But uh, definitely the belt comes. One thing I will say it, to Rory's point, because I'm fucking Canadian and this hits home. When he said, some people have said it helps on deadlift on grip. I vehemently never felt that, but 
Canada's first open world champion in the women's, missed her second deadlift on strength, came right out of her hands. I was commentating like, oh God, she needed that. Comes out for her third dead. She might have even increased the weight a little, but not really, really the big point. And I'm like, let's see what happens. And notice, oh, she's got wrist wraps on. And the Canadian coaching staff's like, put the wrist these wrist wraps on. She's like, I've never done this before. I don't feel comfortable with them. They're like, it already came out of your hands with less weight. We got nothing to lose. We need a miracle. So, so this is Jeff Butt, by the way. I bump him big time, but he's fucking phenomenal national team. He's like, just put them on because you 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 miss lighter weight. So what's the worst that's gonna happen? She's like, all right, let's do it, and hits it. And by God, with heavier weight, did she not get it? And runs at Jeff and damn near tackles him. She's a little one, so he was fine. He ended up picking her up in the air, but and she's like. That's it, man. I'm a, I'm wrist wrap right through for deads the whole nine. So if you're a wrist wrap guy, girl, there it is. <laughs> there's, there's hey, a hey, real quick, sorry, real quick. Yeah. I just realized that Maria never did 2020 nationals because she was supposed to do Sheffield. So she'd actually be out for worlds this year. I didn't even think about that until right this second. There's got to be a clause. Santa? There's got to be a, uh, <laughs> there's got to be some kind of, <laughs> right. Santa better come early because listen, she's our golden girl. She's the only one to but, ever uh, do it. Well, I, I was just going to throw in there. Maybe SPD should go and, you know, get a clips of that second and third attempt and show yeah. how their wrist wraps were the difference. That's some good sales literally, right there. Literally from winning the world title. There, it gets no better than that, right? SPD <laughs> wrist wraps, was, we make the difference. Yeah. She was bombing, right? She was zero for two and then put on the wrist wraps to get the third, right? Was she? No, no, no she made the first. She made the opener. She, she made, made the first opener. one. That yeah. might, might have been another yeah. time. Never Sorry. Yeah, that yeah, was that... Colleen, Colleen when that happened. Oh, that she was, did bomb Colleen. Colleen. Okay. She did bomb yeah. Colleen. Uh, you didn't have to bring that up. But... <laughs> she... <laughs> All right, you ready for one more? And then we'll yes, go sir. on. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right, last one. We're, we're going to a uh, piece of equipment in the gym. The belt squat machine, since everyone is uh, hot in those Fuck me. Is this one big now, eh? Um, I want you guys to go first. Rory, since you keep jumping ahead. Yeah, let's go to Rory because you know he's going to do it anyways. <laughs> if you'd asked me in 2018 when when uh, belt squats and being hashtag submax boys was like the most popular thing on Instagram, I would have said then it was probably overrated. But since it has cooled off a little bit, I'm going to say it's now an underrated piece of equipment. Like I think it's a it's a good exercise. It's not the goat exercise, but like it's pretty good. And I think more people could benefit from direct quad work without axial loading, which is which is like the pattern that you get in belt squat, which is quite hard to replicate in other ways. So I think it's underrated. Yeah, t- tell, go a little deeper in terms of with the belt squat. Uh, here, full disclosure, I've never used the belt squat. Um, okay, so the um, the setup is that you have a sort of neoprene belt, sort of like a, like a dip belt or something like that. And then the weight pulls directly down. And so you stand, feet either side, weight pulling you directly down. There's like a, there's a cable variant, there's a plate loaded variant, like there's a few different ways of doing it. I um, mean, so the weight is pulling directly down on your hips and then you do something that looks very much like an air squat, except that you're loaded and the weight sits on your hips. And so you end up with this really long lever arm between your, your knee and your hip because all of the weight is going through your hip. It's not balanced sort of a, um, halfway, halfway long like it would be if you, the weight was on your shoulder. Um, and so you end up with this squat patterning um, except you only get it loading the lower bit of your body because there's no there's no excess load on the upper bit of your body. So there's no there's no back loading. So if you've got spinal issues, it's good for that. Um, it doesn't add to the sort of central fatigue that you get from like heavy axially loaded movements like a like a like a low bar squat or something like that. Um, so that's that's the pattern. And so it's it's a quad and to an extent glute, but like primarily a quad loading uh, squat variant. 
What about the hamstrings and or just mostly quad, eh? Because the uh, moment arm is uh, because the weight is applied sort of directly through your hip, the moment arm for the uh, hip extension is really low, and so like you don't you don't really get uh, a whole lot of loading for muscles that that act around the hip. Um, it's mostly for muscles that act around the knee. Gotcha. Uh, like yeah. a little like a little bit, but but not a huge amount. Yeah, I mean it's going to be there, but in terms of primary moves, good good stuff, my friend, uh, Bill. Bill. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably overrated. I mean, I have my people do it when they have them, but it's not an end-all, be-all, like we have to go find this machine. Um, you know, it's just basically another machine tool. So it'll be, you know, hack squat, belt squat, leg press, quad extension, hamstring curl. You know, they're all basically all in that same ballpark of just good accessory stuff for me. So um, I think it's overrated as like, oh my God, this is amazing. But like, it's still a good exercise for sure. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that does make sense as well, where, um, some people see certain lifters using it and they're getting a lot of benefit out of it and just assume I should do it too. I'm going to get a lot of, they've also seen certain lifters get hurt on it also. (laughs) Yeah. Is that right? I I don't, I don't, it sounds like it. Oh yeah. Sean had a big, Sean Noriega had a big injury on it. Um, was it from the belt squad? I didn't know that. Was that the meniscus tear? It was like when he was, it, yeah. it was like when he was like coming off of it. It wasn't like during the actual movement, but like when he was like stopping and, and trying to get off of it. Really? Yeah. This well, was like, this was in like the height of like, this is the best movement ever. Like when everyone was posting about belt squats and the sounds were going through the roof and this and that. And um, yeah, he ended up getting, getting hurt, but he's fine. And he actually ended up doing nationals after that and whatever. But I think yeah. it was like in the middle of 2019 or something like that is when it happened. Yeah, he's bounced back since then. But yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. the opposite Maria T effect to make people back off of something, right? Uh, <laughs> but but talking, I mean, if we're talking like tier ratings, like if we're going S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, D tier, like uh, Arian's laughing at me already. Like a, like a belt squat's probably like a B tier, right? Like it's decent, but it's not going to, change your life forever kind of movement. It's kind of like what Bill was saying, where it's a good, um, just like a Bill ran through like, you know, a supplementary, whether it's hamstring curls or whatever you need. But if you don't need that added, but you're just doing it because your favorite lifter is doing it, you may or may not, it may or may not budge the needle, but you could have been doing something else that you actually did need. And a lot of times people are just self-diagnosing, like, I see this guy or this girl doing it. I'm going to do it. But it's like, why are you doing it? Did you actually need it? Um, like you gentlemen are saying, you're saying it's a lot more quad dominant. Maybe you need that, but you might not. And you're wasting time and you're wasting energy. And you only got fucking an hour and a half that day. Arian, uh, what are your thoughts? I have to go with Bill. I mean, I think the hype is coming down a little bit, but I'd still put it at overrated. The idea is of the belt squat is that you're, yeah, you're putting more volume into the quads without necessarily stressing the back. But what I've noticed from my coaching and my programming is that while you do stress the back with the regular movements, you're not doing it that much. You're like, oh my God, I can't do front squats or oh, I can't do leg press or I can't do leg extension. I have to go do belt squat because it takes all the stress off the back. And then the second point is you can only load up a muscle and stress the muscle so much within one session or within one week. So like how much volume you're trying to push on belt squat and a bunch of it's just like, you know, being useless and not actually benefiting you where you could just, again, do the main movements, do a, a variation and then do some general bodybuilding work that has gotten people strong for plenty of decades and you don't need this magical exercise. So I still keep it on overrated for now. I'm going to has- do some belt squats right now. 
Yeah, I'm fucking do. I'm gonna do some air squats, and I'm gonna do. Yeah, no, uh, fair enough. I actually haven't used belt squats, so I'm not gonna throw it out there. But if it's like you gentlemen said, look at, I would lean towards overrated only because my impression online is, I've seen some people say, "Oh my god, I use belt squats. I can't do without them," and this is the biggest thing. And um, if it's like you gentlemen are saying where, well, it's a more of a supplementary, if you need it, you throw it in. But if you don't need it, I could see where it could be overrated. I haven't used it myself. So personally, Ancidotal, it could be the fucking one thing. Talk to me in three weeks when my quads are bumping. And I'm like, ooh, Nelly, let's revisit that conversation. Erin, <laughs> um, I mean, did you have another one, sir? Are we going to move on to the fun stuff or what's going on? Because we got a little bit of time left with Rory. No, we, I put the, the four in for this episode. We'll come up with some more yeah. later on so we can move to the BS part. Let's, let's get some BS. Now let's push the Super Bowl to the very end because Rory has no idea about the Super Bowl. But we can get his impressions on top three action heroes, action movie stars of all time. How about Bill goes first? So I can tell Bill he's wrong instead of the other way around, which is usually how All it right. happens. Okay. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of thought about this a little bit. I mean, listen, there's the Schwarzeneggers, there's the Van Damme Stallones. Um, those kind of really, you know, shaped my childhood, at least. I'm sure Ryan too, for sure. But the biggest one I could come up with that really like everything he does was like something that was iconic to me was Harrison Ford. What the fuck? Okay. So Action? You're talking about Star Wars? You're talking Indiana Jones. You're talking all the Patriot games and all those movies. Um, I mean, uh, Air Force One. Like, there's a whole list of his stuff that he did. And it really just hit home to me. Like, this guy it probably was in, he's in most, every movie he does, I enjoy thoroughly. So, I mean, so as far as action goes, I think he's probably my top guy for my, for, you know, for us old farts like me and you. Dude, that, Holy smokes! Did you just rattle me, sir? I, I like didn't... the Fugitive. I, I yeah, Fugitive is a great movie. Also, another great actor in that one too. Here, okay, let's. Oh let's... no, no, yeah, I'm. I was thinking of Wesley Snipes. He's in the next one. He's in he... the second one. Of that he's in. Well, a... <laughs> here's what. Here's what I want to do. All right, let's tighten it up a little bit. Let's decide what we call an action movie because because <laughs> listen. It's true. A lot of big blockbuster movies got action in them. Um, I would. I, 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 you want like machine guns and like? I drug wasn't thinking. That's an action movie? Right. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like I, Star I, Wars I, would be sci-fi. Star Wars. I don't think action. I, that's sci-fi. Like when I don't think. Listen. If you say let's go see an action movie, um, we're gonna go see a guy kill some terrorists, as opposed to, um, you know, like Star Wars is different. You could classify it as different. I, if we get to like. Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. Why is the guy be terrorist? Why can't it be an alien from another world? Or okay, don't segue already, but you're you make a valid point. Like all like like that where it's kind of like an, but here's the thing. I get it. Star Wars is aliens from another world, but there's a difference between Predator and Star Wars. Are it's a fucking we, alien from another world. I know it's they're <laughs> aliens from another world. That's why I, I opened with that though, because I, I seen you coming. Um, but uh 
it's I, I feel there's a feel there. What do you guys think? Am I crazy? We need to tighten it up a little bit only because our lists are going to be all encompassing. Where it's like, listen, Gone with the Wind. If you if you listen to me for a second, Gone with the Wind had a little action in it. And, uh, is, is Bill is gonna, Bill going to try and put like you know Die Hard in as a holiday movie, a Christmas movie, and an action movie, or Western movies like Western? Like if it, if it's a Western, you got Western action, but like let's try it's, to let's not make it too open. It, it, yeah, it's very difficult because I, I was look I was thinking of names when we were talking in the chat. We came up with so many names, and then I was like, let me Google what like some lists are. And there's the list have so many names in there too because, like Bill went to this kind of you know sci-fi action. You can also go to like you know does martial arts have its own separate like subgenre or is that also drop into you know do you compare like a Jackie Chan and an Arnold? And so Whole it, things it, unraveling it, real it's, fun. It's really difficult. Real so I was, quick. I was real trying to quick. I was trying to break it down to like, you know, some someone in just martial arts, maybe someone who like, you know, redefined action movies or what it is to be an action star. And then maybe just like overall, but it, it's really difficult to like how to how categorize it. Bill this is how I looked at it. If you're in the Expendables, you're an action star. <laughs> but yeah, he, that's, he, that's he was in there. Yeah. Except for Terry Crews. Except for Terry Crews. My man was, I thought he was only like comedies and shit. I don't remember being an action guy until he got in there. I'm not mad at it because the guy is yeah, jacked yeah. and looks like an action. <laughs> like he is exactly what I picture as an action star. Um, but yeah, all right. Look at keep, keep Harrison Ford in there. Indiana Jones, like those, look at all those movies are phenomenal. There's tons of action, Indiana Jones. Um, so yeah, keep them in there, but let's, 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 all right, let's, let's work around this list. Um, Rory, let, do you want to go now or do you want me to throw something out there? I'm going to throw something out there just because you asked if uh, Kung Fu movies fit or not. Um, so top, top of my list, I've got Donnie Yen. Um, so he was in Rogue One, which is categorically the best Star Wars movie. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, he was, he's been in like 70 uh, like Kung Fu and Wuxia movies. And so like as a martial arts kid, right? I did uh, Taekwondo and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Kali, which is uh, Filipino stick fighting. And I did uh, uh, Kung Fu and a whole bunch of other things. So like I, like I grew up on like Wuxia, Wuxia movies. And so like, he is in every single one of them, and he's really? just like he's just outstanding, right? No shit. It's um, I I don't think it, are these movies that I or what are some of the movies because I I don't I'm not familiar with this guy besides Rogue One. I know Rogue One. Uh, he's in he's in the later Ip Man movies. Um, he's in. Uh, I can bring up his IMDb profile because I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, sure. jump jumble some of them up. Yeah, no worries. Look at look some off it, the top. Sorry, go ahead, Arian. No, I was just to say, Ip Man was like the, the big one that I had watched. I, I liked that that series. And then, yeah, then he did Rogue One after all those. Oh, he was in, uh, he was in Mulan recently, which is probably uh, not, not an action movie. Um, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> he was in uh, Return of Xander Cage, which, uh, which, which was actually not a bad movie as far as action goes. So, like, don't know if I would watch it for the, for the plot exactly. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, he was in, uh, which was like like quintessential Wuxia movie. Uh, yeah. I, uh, okay. Let's, uh, uh do you want to go Arian or do you want me to go? I, has... I, I can go. I mean, it, it, it's tough. I mean, like I said, if we're trying to go like, you know, martial arts or Kung Fu, I try to think the person I try to think that was like the reached the most people and was like most influential. Like I said, it is Jackie Chan, just like the amount of different like techniques he did and doing his own, his own fighting and his own tricks. And he also, some of them brought comedy in there and he had so many top movies and everything like that. Um, I, I would put for just martial arts. I had to put in Jackie Chan for 
redefining or like, I couldn't really think of anyone, but it was interesting. I know you like Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee did some crazy stuff as, as far as redefining martial arts. But also I, I saw a thing that once he passed away, there became this whole new category of people trying to be Bruce Lee by literally like looking like him and changing their name to a slight variation of Bruce Lee to get into movies. It's called like uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Ploitation or something like that. So he basically created this whole little area and then inside of movies that people want to say, oh, I, I look like Bruce Lee. I'll change my name to Bruce Lee. Use me in your movies because he was so big. So that was interesting. O overall, for an American action, I had to go with Arnold. I and mean, Bill said it. I mean, the amount of movies that Arnold's done in the 80s and the 90s and still done some in the 2000s, like he is the prototypical action movie star. Listen, um, I brought up Bruce Lee in the group chat, but I'm not a huge Bruce Lee guy, actually. Let's say Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, I got you. All right, they were absolutely massive and they were bringing in the martial arts at a time, you know, before that, it was mostly Westerns and whatnot. So they were groundbreaking. Uh, Bruce Listen, Lee. Bruce, hold on. Chuck Norris brought martial arts to the Western movies, for God's sake. Yeah. That's how amazing this guy yeah. was. No, he, he's, let's listen. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, 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 uh, I agree. And then Bruce Lee, even um, he also was part of that era. And then on top of that, being a leading man, an Asian leading man was big and, and the, the ground, the barriers he broke, like he was needed as a whole. And he brought a lot as a whole, but in terms of like movie for movie, when I'm going through, I'm not going to rewatch him as much. And, and, and that's what I would say for Chuck and Bruce. But in terms of how needed they were, we probably wouldn't be where we are without them. Growing up, the big guns, the heavy hitters, the guys, the guys you could count on. I'm talking Jean-Claude Van Damme with Bloodsport, Kickboxer, Lionheart. You want a little more sophisticated like my man Rory? You might lean into Time Cop. You might lean into Time Cop. Okay, that's more Rory style. Okay, you might have a pinky up. Sipping the tea, watching Rory's not having it. But Jean-Claude was one of them. But he's not the making my list. I'm going to throw some out there because I, they need some shine. But he's not going to make my list. Um, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, for God's sake, better make some lists. Because Arnold, you want to talk about redefining. Before him, everybody looked like Sean Connery. And they thought Sean Connery was jacked. You know, Clint Eastwood, et cetera. And then Arnold came and everybody's like, I better hit the gym and start pumping some fucking weights. Um, Arnold's, Arnold's got an incredible story. Obviously, he was, you know, when he's leaving bodybuilding, people thought it was a joke that he's going to go into movies. They're like, we, we can't pronounce your name, barely know what you're talking about, and you look like a freak. And I'm saying this as a guy is we're all into weightlifting, but now we see it as a massive plus. At the time, they thought you are freakish and you'll always be the guy in the background with no words to say. It was so silly when he said that in, in the end of pumping Aaron, he said, I am going to be the number one box office. I have his first autobiography. I, there, he's got two in the first one. I call him old Testament, new Testament. And the first one he wrote after he's a bodybuilder before he went into movies. And in the end, he says, I know it's crazy. No agents are picking me up. People can't pronounce my name. I got a thick accent. No one sounds like me. And I look like a freak. And I'm being told I'm always going to be a background actor, but I'm going to be the number one box office guy. And everyone thought it was hilarious. And he put that at the end of his autobiography. We know how his story changes. So, and that was his first autobiography. Arnold's up there and he's, he's done everything he's done for decades and his staying power is phenomenal. I got to throw Arnold in there. Somebody else I want to throw in there 
I'm open for it. Um, Wesley Snipes, let me say something. Passenger 57, when as a kid resonated, I don't know, it's probably cheesy as shit now. So it is what it, but he was, when, when I say Passenger 57, he was so fucking cool though. All right, but it probably doesn't resonate now, but if we're talking about the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, I said they probably don't either. Demolition Man with Sly Stallone, whom we'll talk about in a second. He was cool as shit in Demolition Man. Look at, he's, he's jacked, diced up, got the, got the kicks. He was cool in Demolition Man. But why I want Wesley to some serious consideration for a, lift, uh, for a list is his work on Blade. Outstanding movies. Wait, wait Blade? You're bringing no, fucking no. vampires into this now? I can't get sci-fi. But it was no, but but it was made as an action. You can go with different ways with vampire. You you can go interview with a vampire. Interview with a vampire was not action. And and Blade was action. If you're into interview with a vampire, I wouldn't say I guarantee you're gonna like Blade. Um, but you know, so I think it's the same thing with Star Wars and Turn and Predator. But anyways, I, his work in Blade. I fucking, he was the, Blade was one, Blade is such an iconic character and those movies are so well done. The opening scene of the first movie when that one guy is in that disco and then the blood comes from the ceiling and he's, you're like, oh my God, this is probably the worst possible scenario and Blade walks in. And it, it's one of the, like, listen, that that role alone, there, there are some roles that just redefine somebody and he's done other action movies. They're good, but they're not great. Blade was great, and the series was great, and uh, Bennett. So I think he should be close on that list. Another guy, another gentleman, I think deserves. Well, I don't know how you guys are gonna feel about this. How do you feel about adding Keanu Reeves? Um, Go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys, as, as like a separate, like, um, as like the you know the most popular actors out there, just outside of action, but they have done action, like between. Keanu, Matt Damon, Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise. Who would you rank as like the all-time action guy? Well, Tom Cruise for sure. I was going to go Tom Cruise as well. Yeah, for sure. Mission I Impossible mean, and yeah, all, yeah, with all those. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, Keanu. I mean, until John Wick's came. I mean, the John Wick's movies are fantastic. But until that came out, you know, Keanu is not sniffing the list. You're right. Uh, uh, so that's that trilogy really because Matrix. Matrix is not. Matrix is too complex for action for me. Especially yeah. like it, it started off more sci-fi and then right. it turned into a lot of like, you know, a CGI, like, you know, fighting, but people didn't like like the second and third. Listen, if you're into Kung Fu flicks or Fast and Furious or some shit, I'm not telling you, I think you're going to love the Matrix. That's where really what tells me, like, if you're into Arnold, doesn't mean you're going to love the Matrix. You might be like, this is dumb. So that's why, that's what I'm saying is when I think about it. I'm sorry, who, Tom Cruise though, he's another guy that's done so many serious roles. I forget that as an action guy, Mission Impossible's Jack Reacher's like he does straight action. And he's like a five foot nothing dude, but he's, he can, he can, he's got acting chops, but he has done straight up action movies that you do forget about. I, I don't know if he's on my top list, but I'm a, I'm a Tom Cruise fan for sure. More so because of his acting movies and his action movies. I'm not a Mission Impossible guy, but I will recognize if someone puts them on there. And you but wanna, if you make 12 of them, they got to be decent enough. To... <laughs> like I will recognize if I'm in the minority on something, I'll be like, look at if I, I, I'm, I'm at a point sometimes where I'm like, I can get that. I don't get it, but if uh, enough other people do, I'm in the minority, then fuck it. You should put them on. Right. That happens every now and then in life. Tom Cruise was one of them for action movies. 
Who else did you say Arian in that? Uh, Matt Damon and Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. You're going to have to talk to me on that one. I was just trying to think of big names that had done action movies. I mean, he's done like, you know. Troy, just, Troy was phenomenal. I don't know if that was action. <laughs> I love that. It, it, I know, but it, okay. All right. It, it depends if you consider like a snatch uh, action movie. No, uh, no. Or Inglorious Bastards as an action movie. No, 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 no. Those are movie movies. Those are real movies. Those are movies. Inglorious <laughs> Bastards is a, a, is a comedy for sure, right? The, it, it was a dark. It was dark comedy ish, but uh, it was. What about Fight Club? Not an action movie. That's a. That's not an action movie. Very like there's a psychological fights, but it's like it's yeah. not an action movie, right? No, I would take Brad off there. I, a phenomenal actor, one of my top for sure. Not not uh, and Dave, Matt Damon. You would have to talk to me on that one too. I, one of the Jason best Bourne movies. It's just oh, basically yeah, so the Bourne okay. movies. Okay. All right. Now we're talking. I forgot about those. Yeah. Sure. But those much. are like more spy thriller than action, though, right? Like there's. Take there's them off like... the list. There it is. Just like that. Just like that. You had me. And then. And then... Well, if that's the case, the Mission Impossible is off the list too, then. So take it off we're the back movie. to square one. So it's basically we're just looking for people with muscles. <laughs> <laughs> so it all comes down to Arnold. And, and also, look at Sliced Alone should be on there for like Rambo and. Um, his staying power is pretty big. I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to go with, I don't, I'm not going to throw Rocky in there. That's not an action movie. Yeah. Bruce Willis has got to be on the list. I mean, you're talking all the diehard movies yeah. for sure. Um, Fifth Element, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. yeah it's a sci-fi action movie, but again, it's more yeah, action. It's more action. Yeah. There's, it feels definitely different. Yeah. No, yeah. Bruce, I'll throw Bruce Willis on there for sure. I want to throw uh, Jason Statham on the list as like a more recent yeah. action movie, you know, Fast and Furious, Mechanic, Transporter, like he's got a definite niche, but like yeah. if you like Jason Statham movies, like there's a, there's a ton of them out there. Also found out today he was a Nomeo and Juliet. So like maybe I'll check that out as my next uh, action, action movie. I, I, he's another guy. I like his more serious movies, but I don't like him in action movies. I don't like Transporter. I don't really like Fast. I don't like Fast and the Furious at all. Uh, yeah, I'm reevaluating our friendship, Ryan. <laughs> I, I know, I know, a lot of people don't like Transporter, but it is just like you know, just stupid, ridiculous action. Wait, I, I think the first Transporter I liked, um, I can't remember if I saw the other ones, but I, so I let me take that back. I think I liked the first one, but I did not. I don't like Fast and the Furious. I don't get it. I don't get it. What about The Rock? Are you guys Rocks fans? You want to talk Jet? Yeah, yeah dude's great. Have you guys grew ever up seen? In, grew up in New Zealand, so I have to be a fan. It's like a. Is he from optional. New Zealand? Uh, he he grew up in in South Auckland. Oh shit! Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever seen the uh, the rundown with the Rock? Yeah, that, dude, that's my favorite one. It's like him and him trying to basically catch Stifler the whole time, and then yeah. Uh, dude, uh, he wasn't even the Rock. The Rock as we know him back then. He was like no, no. Different... It was like it was one of his first movies. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's that's definitely my favorite Rock movie. But it's great. Um, there's one that. I'm surprised Ryan hasn't mentioned because it's one of his favorite actors. What about Tom Hardy? So here's the thing. No, I, I love Tom Hardy. Look at I'll I'm full on, you know, I, I would make love to Tom Hardy. And not even, not even. I don't he's, need he's got, he's got a full on Tom listen, Hardy. Listen, listen, I don't even need to be pleased by it. We're talking fellatio. That's fine. I that, just let me do all the work. But but and he's got a nice butt. Um I I He's not the, an action. I, I don't like look a warrior. I don't feel like an action movie. It's more of a sports movie with some real uh, like storyline. Like Nick Nolte fucking murdered that role. So did Tom Hardy. Um, like I don't think uh, Mad Max was full on action movie for sure. And Mad Max was, I loved Mad Max, but not one movie in wasn't enough for me. Unless there's other movies about Tom Hardy. I'm missing more. Most of my favorite Tom Hardy movies 
art action based. They're not going to consider like Bane. His, his uh, yeah, Bane. yeah, yeah. That was action, but I wouldn't. Um, it doesn't make like even if I put him in action, it, it wasn't enough to put him up there with like Arnold. Right. Fair enough. It was, no, no, it yeah, was I'm not Bane. saying Arnold, but I'm just saying like you know, just as a he, mention. He's you know what? Like fuck yeah, he's he's good man. He could do. He can hack it. What were you going to say, Rory? Venom as well, um, which was like a good movie, but like not an action movie. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was a good movie. Sorry. I, I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. I thought Venom was terrible. <laughs> I mean, but... You're allowed your wrong opinion. <laughs> I think we're moving further and further away. We're, we're, I'm going to go in the group chat and I won't be in the group chat. So what about someone like uh, Michelle Rodriguez? She's in all the Fast and the Furious movies. She's in yeah, SWAT. Um, I hated. Yeah. I didn't like SWAT, and I don't. You, didn't, you did not like it. No, and I'm not a Fast oh, and really? Furious guy either. Okay. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think she's great in all those movies. Um, I was trying to put a couple of females on the list too. Yeah, but she, she was one is definitely like because there's not a lot of them that have like big franchises, right? No. Um, where you know she's actually one of them that has the sustainable you know, character in this, you know, eight, nine, 10 movies, whatever it's been in the Fast and the Furious, which is pretty cool. Well, if you're thinking female, like, I don't know about um, several franchises, but I probably want to, well, I know for sure my number one female action series is Kill Bill. And I fucking love those movies to this day. Kill Bill, those two Kill Bill movies with Uma Thurman stand up. And um, you want to you want to talk like martial arts or just gory, and it's Quentin Tarantino for God's sake. You get almost no better a movie maker than Quentin Tarantino, and Uma Thurman absolutely murders that role. Um, there's another lady in there; she was super famous at one point in the '80s, gone in the '90s, and uh, Quentin Tarantino loves bringing people back. And he did the same with uh, Bill himself, who was played by David Carradine, who was gone. His career was dead, brought him back. He's done it several times when he, bring, when he does movies. But uh, yeah, Uma Thur, if we're talking strong female lead roles, action movie, if anyone hasn't seen Kill Bill, both of them, bonkers. Okay, what about Sigourney Weaver? Uh, not- like Alien? Mm-hmm. But uh, but is that is that a, like a sci-fi thriller or is that a, is that an action? They certainly turned in Alien versus Predator. It that was full on action. Yeah, they certainly digress into action. Look at uh, you know, and I say digress because when the plot's too thick, it's almost too elevated. Aliens are really good. Sigourney Weaver also murdered that role. Like she was so good in Alien. Uh, you can't picture anybody else doing it. Um, so, but I don't know if she's done it several times over and it's, I don't think you necessarily want to like Uma Thurman is a legit actor. Um, same with Sigourney Weaver. And if they did too many action movies, you don't want to be pigeonholed like Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I'm sorry, but it's true. Jean-Claude isn't going to do what they do in other movies. Right. So you almost want to do like, do a couple action movies and get the fuck out. Like Tom Hardy and Uma, I think they got the right where some of these guys are like, (laughs) they never get out Sigourney Weaver did come up on like when I Google like you know top action movie stars whatever the other one that came up is Angelina Jolie. Which ones? She oh, came up for Tomb Raider, Tomb, Tomb Raider, Gone in sixty seconds, Mister Mrs Smith. Uh, Salt, I hated all those movies. Those wanted, movies wanted, wanted was good. Wanted was good. Um, I, like I loved um, our, I'm with her. I love. Uh, Angelina Jolie and like Girl Interrupted, like in her roles where she actually, Girl Interrupted was a fucking phenomenal movie. Um, if you, Like I liked Uma, or I keep saying Uma with her. I like Angelina Jolie in her serious acting roles. Like she can for real act. 
Tomb Raider did nothing for me. Um, you know, some of these movies like that, it's like Fast and Furious for me. It's it's like no dice. But Wanted was good. I like that one. The, what the about? Other, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Now, I was gonna say the other one that came up was uh, Mila Jovovich, or how you pronounce your yeah. name for, for Resident, element, baby. Resident right. Evil and Fifth Element, as Bill said. That's franchise. Look at look at uh, Resident Evil was a fucking franchise. Uh, Fifth Element was huge. So uh, again, I'm in the minority there. I'm not a huge Resident Evil guy, but I recognize there was definitely a lot of push on it. So yeah. But uh, Ch- Charlize Theron, she was in. Um... Prometheus. She was in. Uh, I think she was in the most recent Mad Max movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fury she killed Road. it. She killed that movie. Yeah, she's she yeah. great in that. Um, she's been. A, she's been a whole bunch of stuff. Um, like she's. She's. In she, a lot. She's prolific. She's kind of like she's the same for me as Uma Thurman, Tom Hardy. She's legit real. I like she did so good in Monster. I think she even won an Oscar in Monster, and uh, she's like she's a legit actor. So I. I mean. I don't think action when I think of her, I put her in a, but if someone does, cause she has done it a few times. Cool. I put in a category. I mean, it's, I don't shit even say, but almost like if you're an action star, you're not, I don't see you as all that legit. Like I don't put Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris's acting skills. And Steven Seagal is another one we didn't mention. I don't, those are action movie stars. Yeah. I, what I, if I think whose career would you rather have Tom Hardy, Uma Thurman, and uh, some of these other people we just mentioned that dabbled in action movies, then stepped out and kept some, kept it in some real roles, which is not, not, not a doubt in my mind, go the route of uh, like winning Oscars. Like I think these other people actually are at least nominated. Uh, but yeah, uh, you're right. She did, she did, she did some things, but I think she's almost too good. <laughs> if you haven't seen Atomic Blonde, you should definitely watch it. That's why one, one of my favorite it. movies ever. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. She's, she's in an Atomic Blonde. I haven't seen it. No, Monster. She, have you guys seen Monster? Mm-hmm. Absolutely phenomenal. It's older. Um, all right. Rory, you got to bounce, my friend. I have to head off. Um, so I'll leave you gentlemen to talk about uh, the, the Super Bowl or something, which I think is happening the, the day after tomorrow. Um, good segue. Count me as a vote for a, whatever the opposite of what Bill says is. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you very much. And uh, where's everybody reaching for coaching before you leave real quick? Um, at Rory Lynch or at Sisyphus Strength on Instagram. So there it is. And I'll put the hashtags on and, the, and tag you in. Thanks, my friend. Talk Catch to you later. Okay, fellas, let's move into the Super Bowl. I think, I think we, we hit that pretty good. And I'm actually going to revisit some of these movies you guys are bringing up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give full disclosure. It's not just because I'm Canadian. Super Bowl is massive in Canada. I'm not a big football guy, but uh, a lot of my friends live and die by the NFL. What are we talking here? Let's do a quick Super Bowl preview for anybody listening. The, the quick stats I was going to give uh, Rory, if he stuck around, to just pick between the two quarterbacks, is on one side you have Tom Brady. This is his 10th Super Bowl appearance. He's already won six in the nine that he's been to. I think he had like four Super Bowl MVPs, and uh, he's been around for 20 years. People regard him as the GOAT. He switched teams, and the first year, he's already brought them back to the Super Bowl. On the other side, you have the, the new kid. His third, third or fourth, third season starting, fourth season in the league. He has the biggest NFL contract, second biggest professional sports contract, 10 years, 500 mil behind Lionel Messi. And uh, in three years of starting, he won last year. So you have like, you know, the, the new breed versus the goat. 
let's hear your picks and then I'll... Oh, I was just going to also throw in there for people that like looking at the Vegas odds. From what I saw, uh, Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs, they opened up as a three and a half point favorite and it's only moved now to a three point favorite. So it's only shifted that half a point. The Young Bloods? They're Young making Bloods. outside of... Uh, yeah, so it looks like... Well, there's also a team around them. It's not just the quarterbacks and the team yeah. around them, I'm assuming. How's that looking? Yeah, but I mean, both sides have the high-powered offense and both sides have good defense. They played each other back in November and the Chiefs won by three points. So again, a lot of this is probably based on that matchup as well. That That's a, that's a tight game. Was it a low-scoring game or? 27-24. Okay. It, it's projected 56 points right now, so that's kind of in line. Fudge. So okay. Mahomes, I mean, Mahomes, and Mahomes is this high-powered kid. His dad played in the Major League Baseball I mean, the guy just puts up points like nobody's business. So now here's the, the flip side to this. He is 6-1 and one in his career in the playoffs with one loss to Tom Brady. Tom Brady goes into the playoffs, and he wins games, right? Like Arian said, I mean, goes to the Super Bowl. He's basically like the Kimberly Wofford of the NFL, right? Like, mm. you know, wins all these championships. Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to go play for another team. Cool. Now I'm going to win another championship. That's literally what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he's going to be the first, or if, if he wins, if Brady wins, he'll be the first quarterback ever to win a Super Bowl for an AFC and an NFC team, which would be, which would basically just cement him as, you know, the greatest, if not one of the top few greatest quarterbacks of all time, especially with just the hardware. It's just ridiculous of what he's been doing. Um, but again, the Chiefs are a phenomenal team. Mahomes is phenomenal. It should be a good game, but I think the – I'm going to go with uh, Brady and the Bucks. Hmm. It, it, it's tough. I mean, it's it's one of those years where, like, you, you don't know what could happen because – even aside from the comparison of the teams for the Chiefs, their first playoff game, they were winning against the Browns. And then uh, Mahomes like tweaked his ankle a little bit. So he's hobbling around a little bit. And then I think it was right before halftime, he got hit and he got concussed and he got knocked out of that game. And the Browns almost came back and beat them. So like, you never know what can happen within the game. What if he tweaks that ankle again? What if he gets hit again and he gets knocked out? Um, but if they both are in and they both play, it's very similar. You got yeah, yeah, these two stud quarterbacks. One just happens to be new. One happens to be a veteran. You have good uh, tight ends. You got uh, Travis Kelsey on one side. You even got Gronk on the other side joining Brady. They both have similar run games. They both have good defenses. Uh, it looks like Jason Pierre-Paul is going to be playing for the Bucks. So they, they got their their squad there. So it, it, it's tough. And, and, and like Bill says, Brady figures it out. Like in the regular season, Brady lost to Drew Brees and the Saints twice. Then they come back in the playoffs and they completely flip it. They just, you know, all of a sudden Tom Brady puts out these big stats and, and they win the game and they keep moving on. Um, if I had to bet, obviously the line is on the Chiefs and uh, I, I would go with the Chiefs just because they, they've come back from multiple games where they were down seven or ten points. They've come back and, and won it. And Brady, while he's still the GOAT, you can see some deterioration. Like the last game against the Packers, he did throw three picks. One of them bounced. I think one of them bounced off his receiver. It wasn't necessarily his fault, but he did throw three touchdowns, three picks, and it was really his defense also getting picks on Rodgers that kind of kept them in the game when they were able to pull it off. So, I think it's going to be difficult for them to do that against the Chiefs with that higher powered offense. So, I got to take the Chiefs. Uh, quick, quick about this concussion. How long ago was that concussion? Is that the last game? Three what weeks ago. Get? And and he's played since then. If right? it, it'll be. It might actually be uh, four weeks because it was uh, 
or sorry, yeah, it'll be three weeks because they had um yeah. They the had they, they had the off week and then they he got concussed. Yeah. Then they had one other game they played and then the and then they had the week off. How did he play when he came back? He played fine. <laughs> yeah. it, when you watch the hit, because um, they were already up at halftime, I turned off for a little bit. I was working and then I saw they came back and I turned on. The hit wasn't even that bad. It wasn't like a huge hit. He was kind of like going down. He kind of got clipped, but it much as hit him in a weird spot because when he got up, he looked a little bit woozy and they took him out and they had to put. I think it was Chad Henney had to come and try and keep the game alive. I mean, so. with, with, especially with these concussion cases, um, the biggest thing is usually not the hit. It's usually the head hitting the ground afterwards, right? That's usually when you're going to be, you get up and you're like, okay, something's ringing, something's going on. You don't know where you're at. I mean, I've had a few of those myself, um, but like it, um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the initial hit isn't really as bad, like I said, but it, so it could be just a regular you know, tackle, but it's that snap back and that bang into the uh, uh, the ground that really gets you and really rattles the uh, the brain. Yeah. yeah. So in that in that Browns game, he threw a touchdown and he ran for a touchdown. Looks like before halftime, before they had to switch over, they won twenty two seventeen. Then he comes back for the Bills, which is a good defense, and he threw three touchdowns against the Bills, and they won thirty eight twenty four. So he, he seems like he's all back to normal. It's just when I hear concussion, man, um, I'm more of a, like a boxing MMA fan. When those guys get concussed, they're not allowed back nearly that turnaround. So when I hear he's he was concussed and then he's back, I'm like, holy smokes. But if he's playing well, okay. But he's one hit away from this whole thing changing. It depends on your right. That's all of them. I mean, that's literally that's, the whole season, right? You're you're one yeah. one wrong cut away from your knee going goodbye. <laughs> but he's, he's over. He seems like the thing with concussions, you're more like there's a window of where you're more likely to get one. So they like give you a, like, I know in MMA, they give you um, suspensions where you're, you're not even allowed to do like any contact. You can't train or anything. So that's why it's very, but fuck man, it's big money. It is what it is. Well, that's the thing, right? That you can't just pick a fight six months away. Like you got to play right. next week and you know, it's that's big why money involved. And that's why football is so dangerous. <laughs> man. When you hear a story yeah. like that, fuck honestly, up. uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what? Based off of this, I'm gonna go with Brady in them. I know he's looked a little deteriorated, but um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the old man pulling it out one more time. And if the team around him stepped up when he started losing pace a little bit, at least it shows he does have a team around him. Though I don't know. I mean, look at I, I'm not a football guy. I'm just going. And they're also at, they're at home, here. right, Arian? Like they have an actual home game, right? I think it's the first time ever that yeah. the the team Destiny. holding the Super Bowl actually makes it in. Destiny. Yeah. This is the first time. So I mean, that's. That, I mean, I don't know how many fans are letting into the game and that kind of stuff with restrictions, but it's Florida, so it's probably packed to the packed to the fucking. It's going to be knows. fucking packed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think it was for the Dolphins. They want to. They want to request like you know one third capacity or one fifth capacity, something like that. And the state goes, sure, we'll give you full capacity. They're like, we win, we win, that's for full capacity. <laughs> like, we'll see your one third and we'll triple you. He's like, okay. So, Arian, Arian, what, what are we betting here? Come on, give me a little action. 
Uh, are we going to do straight up or are we going to do the... Uh, yeah, I'll take it straight up. I'm, I'm going to go with straight $5, up. $5,000, Arian. $5,000. No, give your best lifter, your Garcia for his Jakey boy. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Can you imagine you were doing lifters? That would that would be entertaining. Uh, what, what, one of them listens to the, the episode and they're like, what the hell? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll come up with something. We'll, we'll get a little side action going on this for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at minimum, like the person can buy the drink at the next time we're at a meet. Who knows when that'll be, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we are, yeah, for sure. Dinner's for on sure. him. All right, fellas. Thank you very much. Uh, I want you guys to shout out your coaching information if somebody wants to get a hold of you. Yeah, Bill McCarthy, get the lift. So it's just at get the lift on Instagram. Arian? Uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, Coach Arian K. Makes sense. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We, we crushed over two hours. When Rory's like, I got a two hour hard cap, I'm like, I don't think we're going to be two hours. But we sure as hell were much appreciated. <laughs> it's easy to start talking though, right? Much appreciated. I thought I, I, when he said two hours, I was like, oh, it's, it's we're only going to be two hours because normally it's a, a marathon when we get together. So the, the thing is, like, when we bring up the topics, it's like, well, I don't think we're going to go that long. But then, you know, when the fellas, here it is too, we have a rapport. So we, we speak freely and we're not, uh, we're not shy around each other. And when you have, cause we talk like every single day in the group chat and when you have a rapport, you also know, like you can take friendly jabs to someone else and not going to take it the wrong way. So then the banter comes in and then blah, blah, blah. Cause you, you built that up. That's why I mean, this, this was like a no brainer to start doing some, um, round table discussions because we literally do it every flipping day in the group chat so it's like why are <laughs> this is good especially when we get at each other in the group chat sometimes <laughs> but uh, anyways until next time gentlemen much appreciated i gotta get this thing out quick as possible so these um some of this talk like the super bowl doesn't isn't like a total waste <laughs> <of time. laughs> anyways talk to you later fellas see ya see, see ya. you later